Hi, hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by the Prince of Party, party boy Pete McCormick, and our special guest today is the one and only Jill Whalen. Party boy Pete, are you ready today? Matrick, I am ready to go. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a damn good one. All right, you can find all our content and all our stuff on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Work Perspectives Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Work Perspectives Podcast and hang out with us on the Twitter and the Tiki Talk at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email us at workperspectives at gmail.com. All right, let's get this thing started. Let's go. It's our objective to be effective by voice in society. boy pete there's something i need to tell you all right all right what's going on we need to talk i need to let the people know what we're dealing with all right so i believe it was the may 22nd 2021 right or maybe no yep, it was yep. may 11th 2021 sorry oh so yeah may 11th, that's half of 22 matt yeah you damn you're good at numbers may 11th right. 2021 the world was forever changed when me, myself, and one shake were pirated. Snake, Matt. Snake. Snake. Yeah, you're right. Turns out you're right. So for those that don't know, what happened was this. Uh, I'm showing up to do a regular podcast show, and I'm there with my bells and whistles on. We're getting everything going. Things are going, you know, according to plan. We're starting the show. Then all of a sudden... The song I Need a Hero by Bonnie Tyler starts playing. We had had some technical difficulties leading into this episode, so I was really reaching my limit of patience. And I'm like, Shake, what is going on, dude? What is this now? Like, more stuff we have to deal with. I asked the guest of that day, Bob Quinn, if that was him making that noise. It was not, right? The music plays for another few seconds, and all of a sudden, I hear what's considered the worst sound imaginable. What is it, Matt? What's going on? I hear an asshole talking. I hear <laughs> the asshole. Matt, he should have been playing I Need a Zero because that's what he is. <laughs> you damn right, pal. Old Captain Jerkbeard, a.k.a. Tom Lavelle. So here's the issue. Leading up to this, I had fought for Tom Lavelle to get approval from the PAAA, which is the Podcast Approval Association of America. Uh, that's every podcaster knows about them, Matt. Yeah, every podcaster has to go through the PAAA, the Podcast Approval Association of America. Uh, I was dealing with Cheryl from the Podcast Approval Association of America, and she had told me that there's this something in Tom Lavelle's past that prevented him from getting podcast approval by the Association of America. 
And, mm. you know, to the public for which it stands, I couldn't betray them in good conscience because, you know what, I'm an American, red, white, and blue, okay? You're so, a law-abiding citizen. Goddamn right I am. And so is this podcast, okay? We yeah. might be, hey, when dancing is outlawed, only the outlaws will dance. But yeah, when we're podcasting- when we're breaking laws. Yeah. When we're podcasting, we're playing by the book. We're running fast. We're running hot. We're going to hit you in the mouth, but we're going to do it to the PAAA standards, Podcast Approval Association of America. So what happens is some bastard comes on the show. Then uh, he's yelling. He's doing all this stuff. I'm about to kick him. And then I find out that there are some backdoor dealings with him and Shake, a.k.a. Snake. And turns out that Captain Jerkbeard, a.k.a. Asshole, a.k.a. Tom Lavelle, had bought the rights to the Working Perspectives podcast you know, and all its yep. incumbents out from underneath me without my knowledge, right? That's BS, Matt. It's BS. It hurts. You know what, Pete? I'll tell you this. A little backstory, okay? Uh, I came up with the idea for the Working Perspectives podcast. When I did- Of course you did. Yeah. It's your I, baby. It's our, it's our you baby. You held it in your belly for nine months and let it, yeah. you know, gestate, and then you popped it out. I'll tell you what. If it's, if it's my baby, then you're my baby daddy, okay? That's because right. you and me have raised this child. Right. And this is our child and it's a masculine child. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what? When but when this uh, when this thing was still in its infancy, I had gone to Captain Jerkbeard, a.k.a. Asshole, a.k.a. Tom Lavelle, asking him to be the co-host. Right. Oh, really? I'd asked him I'd asked him four times, almost begging, saying, like, dude, this thing has promised. Let's just you do it. Tried to get him on the ground floor right away. I, you know, he's my, he's my brother, but he's also, and you know what he did? He just yeah. started scheming right there. He's like, you know what? That'll be my podcast soon enough. And he yeah. just started going through the legal proceedings, looking for any loophole, like yeah. a jailhouse lawyer. Yeah. It's exactly what he did. He knew that he didn't have to, he didn't have to get in with me on the ground floor. He could wait until the show was off and running, doing record numbers, winning awards, all these nice accolades. And then he can buy the rights to show out from underneath me with the backdoor dealing with my former co-host, Shake, a.k.a. Tom Byers, a.k.a. Snake. And Matt, in the uh, story of the uh, grasshopper and the ant, you're the ant and he's the grasshopper. Yeah, he's a real asshopper. That's for sure. So <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, he is my brother. He's my best friend. And allegedly. Allegedly. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know why he did this to me. And I don't know why he said no. But he did do this. He almost did us a favor. Ah. He said that I can win the rights back to the show. And all I have to do, beat him in a game of Mario Kart. Mario, the Mario Kart king himself, Matt Lavelle, got challenged? <laughs> right. Former world champion, four year, former Mario Kart Double Dash world champion, Matt Lavelle, was challenged by, you know, Captain Jerkbeard, a.k.a. Asshole, a.k.a. Tom Lavelle, to a game of Mario Kart to win the rights back to my show. It's, held, it's being held October 2nd at the Land of Three in the Home of the Brave Graham's Pub. Um, uh, you know, we're going to have some more stuff going into that, but... I'm just saying. Is it a straight up race or do you have to lap them? Because, like, I mean, you're so much better. It's almost like there might have to be a handicap. Well, you know, um, I feel like. like three ninjas, I, I'll spot you nine. You know? Yeah. yeah honestly, I feel like it's going to be like, uh, you know, he's going to try and fix it somehow. If I know mm -hmm. him like I think I do, I'm going to get a shoddy controller or, you know, there's going to be Make a Make sure the that game. those controllers are regulated. Oh, they're, they're going to be regulated to the highest regulation of the law. And this, this, this challenge will be P-Triple-A approved. 
I will guarantee oh, yeah. you that. So our my former affiliate, Cheryl, with the PAAA, turns out she was fired for doing a backdoor deal with I don't know who. I heard she was a real hoer. A hua. She was absolutely a hua. And, uh, well, she was a podcast approval hua because she was just Man. giving podcast approvals out to any willy-nilly there was. So either way, um, the new associate we have for the Podcast Approval Association of America based in uh, Skogee, uh, Wisconsin, is uh, Eugene Gary. Great guy. Great oh, I like, guy. Yeah, I like Gene. That's a good yeah. name, Eugene. Yeah, Gene's a good guy. Uh, we'll have more from Gene, you know, uh, eventually on the show. But And Matt, Wisconsin consumes more beer than any other state in the country, so that's always good. Really? I think right. so. I don't know. Sometimes I just say things and I hope they're true, but it could be. Honestly, when you say it though, it is quite plausible. Like per, it has to be per capita, just because they're not the most per popular capita. Set. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, per capita, I could see that. I could see that. They hey, they love some cheese, they love some brats, and they love slamming back some cold ones. That's Wisconsin, babe, and damn proud That's of. That's right. It. So I just wanted to give the listeners a backstory that I'm a victim. I'm a you victim are. to a tyrant, a pirate, and a scumbag, and a jerk, and an asshole. And on October second, I'm going to win the rights back to my show. It's my show. Okay. You're damn right it is. It's our show, Pete. This is our baby. Oh, that's true. Because all... you're, you're share, Matt. You're, you're very, uh, uh, I don't know how to say, gracious person. Hey, hey, man. You're, you know, Pete, I'll tell you this. Uh, you are the stepfather that I needed. And uh, when you came in, you just helped me raise my children. This, the Working Perspectives Podcast main show, which airs Tuesday on all podcast platforms and YouTube, as well as the Working Perspectives Podcast Weekend Poppin', which airs Fridays at noon on all podcast platforms and YouTube, right? This, I mean, without you, none of this would be possible, and I can't thank you enough, and you're the best guy in town. Diana and Steve helped too, but, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. You know. I know. Yeah. So I'm the oh, pizza, they're the mozzarella sticks. Amen, brother. Amen. You're the main course, they're just the appetizers. But they're delicious appetizers. They are delicious. I love mozzarella sticks. Sure. So, okay. But you get sick if you have too many. Oh, my God. Oh, it's the worst. You're like in a coma. So, okay. So, enough about uh, Captain Jerk Beards, a.k.a. Assholes, a.k.a. Tom Lavelle. They try to steal the rights from my show, but I'm going to win it back October 2nd at Graham's Pub, Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, and a game of Mario Kart. Uh, I really want to talk about today's guest. So, Absolutely. Our guest today is the one, the only, Jill Whalen. So, when doing the research for this show, I am blown away at what we're going to learn today. Like, we've had some pretty cool stuff that we've learned on the show and we've had and, like, some prevalent stuff and, like, prevalent stuff and, you know, maybe some stuff that, like, oh, you wouldn't think about. But this, it really hits all of it, and it's really just so cool because it's, yeah. it's like, this is the kind of stuff that really shapes society today, and we're going to get kind of, like, a, a nice exposure to it and and, like, really, like, an educated opinion on a lot of questions people might have. And honestly, it's about time our guest got an educated opinion from somebody, Matt. How about it? We're not, they're not getting it from us. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting opinions, but none of them are educated. (laughs) Yeah. Unless they want high school educated opinions, because that's all I can give them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like I said, so uh, Jill, everyone's going to find out is doing great. Uh, She's working right now as a uh, disease researcher. She's a molecular biologist. Everything's going well. We're really happy to have her on the show, and we're, we're, you know, can't thank her enough for being on. But, Jill, before we get started, I would just like to ask, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? If yes, what would you think of that piece of shit movie? I have not seen it. 
Score another one for the good guys, Peter Hosen. All right. You it's don't such need a good movie. No. <laughs> Oscar-worthy performances all around. God, if you like uh, watching bags of shit just fall over into socks filled with donkey shit, then you're going to love this movie. But if you don't, then you might not like it. Just saying. I heard it was sad. I mean, uh, just spoiler for anyone out there, the main character, Freddie Mercury, dies. Yeah, but it's also has like the greatest concert of all time in the movie at Wembley Stadium for uh, Live 8 in 1985. True, true. Even a garbage can gets a steak. And don't get me wrong. I love Queen just as much as the next red-blooded American. But, you know, you know, I can only take so much of like someone tarnishing the great, great name of Freddie Mercury by, you know, portraying a freaking wet noodle. So, <laughs> all right. So either way. So, Jill, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. This is going to be great. Really excited to do this. So I really just want to dive right in. We're not going to do memory lame today. We're just going to dive in because we got so much good stuff. So for all our listeners out there, uh, uh, Jill Whalen here was born and raised in uh, Point Pleasant, and she grew up in Brick, which is in the uh, state of New Jersey. Uh, we've uh, we've expressed our opinions about the state of New Jersey on this show, <laughs> and we'll just say there are opinions. Um, Full disclosure, my wife is from New Jersey as well. <laughs> oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. But my wife does say that there is no such thing as Central Jersey, which I believe Jill is on the opposite side. There is a Central Jersey, Jill? Correct. That's where I'm from. Where, where's <laughs> yeah. the, oh, oh, you're from Central Jersey. <laughs> it's in the middle. Yes. Oh, hence Central. Get out of here. And that's town. where it's 50% Eagles fans and 50% Giants fans. Ooh, it's man. mostly Giants fans and then oh, like one or two oh. Jets fans. Oh. I don't know where that, why that happens. But uh, you know, uh, it would suck if someone was like a fiance to a Jets fan. Wouldn't that just be like <laughs> the worst thing ever? Yeah, that sounds like a really hard life. Oh my God. Sounds like probably the worst life. Who would sign up for that? I don't care how big the ring is, you know? Jesus. <laughs> um, but either way, feel bad for those people that are, hey, Wayne Corbett, love him. But uh, like we said, uh, born Point Pleasant, grew up in Brick. Uh, this is this is an interesting thing because uh, I'm I'm right in thinking this. This is an area that's close to the shore, right, Jill? Yes. So that's something we're going to get into, especially when we talk about jobs and stuff like that. But that's one of those things that's very interesting. Like when you go to the shore, everyone that goes goes in the summer, and it's you know party popping, hopping, packed house. You know everyone doing their thing. But in the wintertime, it's a very different animal, you know, like really, really like not a lot of people. And, you know, year round, it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows down here. And, you know, but we'll get more into that later. So like we said, uh, Jill, she's born in born Point Pleasant, grew up in Brick. She went to a private prep school from K through eighth grade. And I want to talk about this a little bit because I went to Catholic school and Catholic school is a little smaller than public school, but you went to a prep school where what was like your class size, like in your schedule and everything like that? Uh, the class sizes were anywhere from three people to maybe, Jesus. maybe 25 per whoa, grade. Yeah. Whoa. It so were the three toward... of you passing one note in a circle between the three of you? Like <laughs> <laughs> really hard to cheat. We were probably sleeping. Yeah. Uh, it was very laid back. So uh, there weren't like bells. You know, you had a schedule, but no one was really holding you to it. Yeah. It's just like, look, what do you we'll mean nobody's holding you to like it? it. Uh, you just like, I, I noticed, especially upperclassmen, I left in eighth grade, but people kind of came and went. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah. Oh, this like did it did it go beyond eighth grade? Did it go through high school? Oh, it did go. Yeah, it went K through twelve. Oh, and wow. uh, you you kind of just showed up for whatever classes that you had. You didn't usually have a full day. Oh wow! What kind of hippie stuff's going on yes. in Brook, New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was you... actually this was in Howell, New Jersey. Wow. Okay. I'll tell yeah. you that. Were there kids that lived on campus or no? No. Okay. It wasn't a so boarding it was school. All, it was all commuter. Mm. Okay. Yeah. See, that's interesting though because like I felt like so I went when I went to Catholic school. The class size was smaller, but when I transferred to public school, I was ahead in my curriculum. When like, would you say because of the smaller class size, yes. like you were a lot further in your curriculum and your learning and things like that? Would you? Yeah. Yes. So I think there's a lot of there are a lot of things in public schools or most schools that you can maybe cut out and you still get a good education. Yeah. Things that are required for government or state funding, right? So yeah, uh, ah. we didn't have that. We didn't have the state funding, and so it was just you know, here's what you need to learn: math, science, art literature and when i went to high school to different school i was two grades ahead in most classes yeah yeah i remember yeah the same for me when i when i had uh, when i was asked to leave catholic school <laughs> uh, when i was asked to leave catholic school and went to public school it was the same thing where i was like oh i we already went over this stuff last year guys like yeah. what's going on but okay so let's uh let, like so I, that i actually had a little bit of an opposite thing because yeah. i went from catholic school to public school but i went from a, a philly catholic school yeah. to a suburban public school yeah. and so they saw i was from philly and they just put me in remedial classes right away <laughs> well, like, but it was like, the greatest quarter of my life because i was getting like 105s on everything i was getting like every question wait and the extra credit i'm like i'm a genius yeah. and it turns out i was just in a remedial class and they put me into a normal <laughs> class and i was right back to being my b self yeah hey your b self is a lot better than a, a lot of other a's <laughs> I'll tell you that but no you're that's yeah because when you're in the city though like you're going to the suburb public school and they're like damn it we gotta teach this kid to read and not say john all the time and you know so well the other thing. like it, it, city schools also have like an interesting thing because like i guess you guys took dare right or Jill, yeah. did you have dare in your little private school mm-hmm. no you didn't know dare oh yeah because the hippies not, like yeah. the drugs they're yeah. like yeah no, <laughs> experiment it'll open yeah. your mind have some dmt <laughs> yeah. Baby. yeah 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 we, so, we didn't just have dare we had great gang resistance education and training Whoa. as well <laughs> so there was the dare bear and the great lion <laughs> really yeah <laughs> dude gang resistance good luck gangs were the coolest thing in the world when we were growing up you <laughs> oh know my God, they were dude bloods crips east coast west coast lat kings and you had the mongols the pagans like all those big biker gangs those guys were so badass man like Dude, come on. there was a gang in Philadelphia in the 1800s called the Killers, and they were awesome because they wore su- suits everywhere. I'm like, oh, that's a badass gang. They're like dressed up to the nines, got uh, top hats and everything. Dude, when they did Gangs in New York, the movie, like they undersold. Like what? Like these gang fights, like they're they're basically like organized militias. Like they had cannons and guns, and like yep. they're really like, no, look, we're living here, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? Like they're just killing, killing, and you know the cops weren't doing anything about it, but. Dude, yeah, that's crazy. I, I, I'm with you, man. I mean, that's awesome. I would love to look up the history of the Philadelphia gangs. That's pretty fascinating. But yeah, so okay, so for another yeah. podcast, another or another episode. Yeah, so nice. So let's keep it moving because uh, uh, Jill would leave her prep school and join the biggest gang in the world, which is Catholicism, and go to a Catholic, <laughs> go to a Catholic high school. She would finish out her Catholic high school. What did you how, like? I know you went from small classes to like, I guess you would say like normal size classes, right? But how did you like uh, transitioning to that school? And was there like a reason behind it, Jill? Um, I I didn't enjoy transitioning to that school at all. It yeah. was 
the purpose was to be able to play sports, you know, in a competitive uh, kind yeah. of um, you know, system. There really wasn't much going on in a school where there were five people in your class, right? Yeah. So You're playing uh, basketball, it's three yeah. on five every time. Yeah. <laughs> it was all co-ed and it just, you know, wasn't, wasn't so fun. Yeah. We lost every single game in every sport. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the the problem is that the school I went to also started, like the grade school started in kindergarten. And so these people had been mm. together that whole time. And yeah. I joined the in. The clicks were established just, by the yeah, time you got there. Yeah, it was just kind of hard to integrate myself yeah. into that. So that was a little awkward. But, yeah, I played a lot of sports. And so you make friends that way, of course. So Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fun. Nice. Okay. So <laughs> let's, let's get into that a little bit then. So you, uh, you started where you're doing gymnastics from like ages, like four to 13, and then you did soccer and swimming and it would be like, those are your big, your, your big guys, right? Those are your, those are the ones yeah. you commit the most time to, but talk about gymnastics because we've had some people on the show that did gymnastics as like, you know, there was almost like an intro to cheerleading and things like that. But my daughter, I would, I am like, when she's old enough, I really want to get her into gymnastics. I think as far as like the development of kids, you know, it might have some growth things and maybe won't get into ultra competitive gymnastics. Like, you know, I don't want to, you know, it'd be nice if she was the next Dominic Mucciano, but she doesn't have to be. You don't want to shut down her, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I don't want her to be four foot three. You know what I mean? Like. I want to be able to do her thing, but I want her also, but gymnastics teach you like physical fitness and like dedication and all those great things. But also like, you have to be fearless to do that stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, ha you learn how to control your body totally. And, and yeah, like your fear. So Joel, what was it like? Like, what, what, what did you like about it the most? Yeah. What did I like about it? Um, I guess I was learning how to do flips on yeah. and off of things you know so that was really cool it was it was a lot of work it definitely yeah. taught me a lot of discipline yeah um the team kind of effort was really neat so i think a lot of people think of gymnastics as an individual sport and it is oh yeah but the meets would be full days and we would go all over the tri-state area and they were a lot of fun and Aww. so you know we were all kind of together in it that whole time and yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it was it was cool to be able to like I was really strong for my age <laughs> and I was able to do a lot of really cool stuff. So that was yeah. fun learning all of that. Yeah. That's badass. Plus two, you have like, you know, you established like a confidence in yourself. And I'm sure That's doing awesome. gymnastics helped you with your other sports. Yes, I noticed that. And then once I quit gymnastics, I got worse. I gradually got worse <laughs> at the other sports as I lost <laughs> that. That upper body that strength supplemental, that, that you have uh, in gymnastics yeah. that you probably aren't going to have in other sports. So yeah. uh, that's Jill, it was did fun you for see, a while. Did you see the movie? Um, what was the Steve Carell movie uh, about Foxcatcher? Um, oh, I, I think haven't. it was called Foxcatcher. Fox, Foxcatcher, yeah. yeah. So in that movie, Channing Tatum plays Mark Schultz. And Mark Schultz is one of the, like, the top Best. 10 uh, wrestlers in the U.S. history. And he actually didn't even start wrestling until his junior year of high school. He did gymnastics up until that. Yeah. And he yeah. said that was the thing. Like, he, had, he learned how to control his body and everything. And he just, like, dominated the sport as soon as he learned it. Yeah. And he was, like, an Adonis athlete. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could do the intense workouts, things like that. Yeah. That's – dude, gymnastics, it's also a fascinating sport. You know what I mean? Like, there's no – that's one of those things, too, where, like, it's kind of like you can't really cut corners in that because that's how you get hurt, right? Like, you have to, like, do your stuff and, you know, otherwise, see you later. 
So, okay, nice. So let's keep yeah. it moving then. So uh, you did gymnastics, but you also did soccer. How did you like soccer? And did you played soccer in high school as well, right? I did, yeah. I loved soccer. Um, yeah. It was, you know, uh, the other sports I, I played ser as seriously as soccer mm -hmm. were, were kind of more individual. So you're looking at times and scores. And yeah. so soccer was a little bit more political. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have to, oh, yeah. Who, who's, who's the coach like? And yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, a I, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really yeah, like, like su sucking up to the coach, and mm. so that, with uh, swimming, like you come in first, everyone sees it. There's no. Uh, yeah. yeah, you yeah. can't really argue with my time, but in soccer, you know, yeah. if the if the coaches don't like my attitude, which maybe happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> then then I'm not playing. So. Yeah. So. Like, okay, so let's get into this then, because like you're saying, you also did swimming, and it's very true what you're saying. In swimming, the, the clock does the talking, right? Like, hey, if you have the fastest time, there's no, the coach can't say shit. You're going in because you're the fastest one. The clock says no so. No judges. Yeah. Yes. It's, but in soccer, it's like, oh, maybe this person's better. This it, There's some political opinion there because it's not like so calculated it could be like well this person's faster but this one might kick better whatever bullshit or, but and, and it's also like the way that they, they ass. Yeah. yeah the way players interact too like there might be a guy that's the best you know one-on-one -on -one soccer player in the world but he, you know if he can't you know make it work in a team setting then it, you know kind of dictates things too so there's a lot to there's a lot to yeah. be interpreted yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right so okay so let's talk about this then because this is going to get you into your first job as well so <laughs> you started swimming at age three and your dad was the swim coach right yeah what was your stroke jill breaststroke yes uh jill, have, you, have you ever heard of a swim team in new jersey called the pheasant run flyers no Oh, is that a club team? Or yeah, yeah. It, it it was the team that I swam for in South Jersey, <laughs> and like we were, they, they well, I shouldn't say they were amazing. Like I think they were undefeated for like five or six years, and I thought I was good because I kept getting these blue ribbons every year, and it turns out that I was <laughs> they were uh, personal Purchase. best ribbons. Yeah, and I told this to Matt before. He's like, "Well, that's good, personal best." I was like, "Matt, when you're growing up, every year it's your personal best. It's like getting taller and celebrating." <laughs> it. Yeah. But hey, no, it was hey. At least you're at least you're out there, buddy. And I'll tell you this: <laughs> we were, uh, me and Pete uh, were in a fight for our lives in a whitewater rafting trip a couple of years ago. And I'll tell you this: Pete's swill, uh, skill in swimming came in handy then. You know, I so, felt very well. I believe it. Yeah, it's very coordinated. He's I'll tell you what, deceptively coordinated for a big guy. Deceptively coordinated. But all it, my uh, athletic ability went to that instead of throwing. No, we'll talk about that eventually but okay <laughs> so we'll say this um you're swimming your dad's the coach but i feel like like when you do a swimming thing right that like if you're the swimming coach then they kind of like pick you to like hey do this other stuff that involves the water so not only was he's a swim coach <laughs> but he was also like he ran the the local beach which was called normandy beach is that right yes yeah it's okay in brick so uh -huh. it, Brick had its own beaches, but it was kind of like a neighboring private okay. beach so, in Brick. Ah, private beach. So in Brick, New Jersey, there's like a private beach called Normandy Beach. Your dad was kind of the head honcho there. So him being the head honcho there means that 
he was running the the lifeguards the like the 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 maintenance for the beach and like the security and all that stuff but he was also running a job which you would do which to me is a fascinating <laughs> job and i cannot wait to get into this because this is what this show is about we want to bring scope to the world around us for- <laughs> And one of the things that we talk about on this show, like this is something everyone's seen, everyone's dealt with, everyone's been with, like, and all that stuff. I'm talking about the beach badge checker. When you go to a beach, yeah, when you go to a beach, right, everyone knows this who's been in Jersey. When you go to the beach, you have to get a badge when you're on that beach that says like, hey, I paid for the day or whatever gimmick that is, right? And there's 12-year-old kids that have to enforce this on adults, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and, and people with families and all that stuff. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think everyone's, you know, regional knows this, but the thing is, like, the, the Jersey Shore in the summer, it's not just all Jersey people. It's uh, oh. all of uh, me and my family from Philadelphia, people yep. from New York and Brooklyn. So yeah. it's just the worst of the worst, all congregating oh, in one state. Oh, yeah, man. All the three cockroaches months. show up in Jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so poor Jill here had to run that gambit so uh i want to get this out of the way or i want to talk about this first so jill can you tell us how did you get the job who is this like because it's normandy beach i'm assuming that's a township or a privately owned beach but is it like the township pays for this and how do you get the job and and like you know can you can you kind of get give us a little background on that sure so uh i just got the job from my dad because he was running the uh, lifeguard and the beach kind of organization. And uh, so he had me and two of my brothers also working for him. So yeah. Badge checkers as well? My one brother lifeguarded and then my other brother badge checked with me. Ah. And uh, I think other people that were working there that weren't related to us uh, (laughs) got the job because they lived there. So a lot of them lived in that area. And I guess there's a posting for it, I would assume, um, or word of mouth. But I think that we were paid and everyone that worked for that association was paid from people who live there paying their their dues. Yeah, it's like like a property tax. Yeah, Yeah, I see. So that association... you pay your dues for the season and you get your badges for the season. Badges? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so, no, okay. So yeah, like part of like when you pay your property tax or whatever, like the local tax is or something, part of the fees that are a part of living there, one of them is badges, right? So yes. you have your locals badges, but then if you're, you know, Johnny Stunad, wants to come to the beach that day with his family and his coolers with bologna sandwiches and huggies, he's got to pay. Yes. And a lot of times um, he's very surprised that the beach is not free. Yeah. And I don't know if that's an act or not, uh, but they put up a fight Ugh. and with can't believe the costs. Can't yeah. believe how much a badge is. Yeah. And, uh, Isn't and this a working, free country? Yeah. No one can on the beach off commissions though so, uh, really yeah, wow. this is commission based yeah i mean i just wondered why they were so gung-ho to collect them yeah. like well, who do you what do you care but yeah. Turns out it, uh, yeah honestly that's probably the number like if it wasn't commissioned no one like none of these kids would give a shit they'd yeah. be like yeah i don't care just have a seat you know 
You know, if, if I was the badge checker now, I would put up posts on Facebook saying that the beach was free. That way people show up and I would just start collecting commissions because what are they going to turn around like once they get there? Hey. A fake Facebook account just to get drive up my commission. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad not a bad idea there, Potty Boy. That's why That's you're, smart. you know, yeah, you're a money man. So, okay. So you get the job from your old man and it's the, the job is kind of paid for by the township because it provides, you know, the lifeguards, the security, the cleaner, the beach maintenance, the badge checkers, all that stuff. And those people that are paying the fees get their own badges. So can you kind of tell us what's like, so say let's, let's paint a picture, right? So you work there from the ages of 12 to when you were 20. So like let's, let's, let's talk to, let's paint a picture of 13 year old Jill. Right. So 13 year old Jill, she's there. So let's let's say it's July. It's the dead heat of July. Let's be honest. This is a physical job. You're walking in dry sand all day up and down the beach. Your calves must have been like unreal. Right. So you're walking in this heat and the dry beach all day. If you if you even went and like jumped in the water for a quick cool off and a dip, you're getting sand in your nethers and you got to walk with that. all. It's a whole thing. Right. And you got to walk wet all day. It's a whole nightmare. Right. And then you got to risk run the risk of someone stealing your money pouch, all that. So <laughs> you're 13 year old Jill. You're on the beach. It's the hottest day of the year. We're in mid July. Right. And Johnny Stunad walks on with his family of five, right? And he's uh, and you're like, hey, 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 Johnny, before you park <laughs> it here on the beach, you need to get your badges, right? And so he walks up. He's like, I don't want to pay. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? I say that he has to leave. Yeah. And he can't go on the beach unless he pays. And then he says, screw uh, you, 13-year-old yeah. girl. You're not going to make me do anything. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times they'll just keep walking and set up, you know, all their stuff. If it's, yeah. you know, if it's someone who's unaware that they need a badge, they've probably brought 15 coolers, you know, all of their outdoor activity equipment yeah. from the garage. You yeah. Know, they're games and they're ready to go they're gonna set up on the beach and so they just sit down and then eventually this is sad but my dad will come along eventually just to check on everyone and i'll point is he them on, out is he on a four-wheeler no <laughs> but he's wearing he's wearing white sneakers and socks because the sand is hot Hiked up socks. It, it yes looks, <laughs> it looks ridiculous and he'll go over and and yell at them and he's scary so <laughs> he'll get he'll get them to pay up uh, you better pay really or my dad's gonna be real angry yeah yep. <laughs> that is that what little 13 i'm just like you better pay or when my dad comes in he's gonna make you pay <laughs> he's gonna beat you up that's yep. but like even but your dad i mean he would have to call like some like i mean if it would come to it he would have to call the police right i think did it ever get to that? Or did that ever I don't think yet? so. Yeah, I don't think so. I, no, they saw the socks and they I knew, can't. like, we better get, yeah, this I mean, also, and get out of here. It's five dollars or something like that. Like, <laughs> just give them the money. It's yeah, really silly. Yeah. Yeah. so damn my gosh so were there any repeat offenders were there certain people that are just like they oh, would oh yes <laughs> so you knew yeah. like there were you, certain groups yeah that we saw them and oh no here they come yeah you're like oh not a problem yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of finding another yeah. beach this was the game they were going to play all yeah. year like I'm yeah. Gonna... yeah they loved it yeah 
they're for like sure. they couldn't wait for the argument yeah they're like all right we'll talk to your yeah. dad when he gets here nice seeing you jill yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they have no cash of course this is before <laughs> venmo if you can remember oh, yeah. yeah. you know so oh, my they had god. to go find an atm yeah. oh my god <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's unreal. I mean, yeah, I don't buy that people are going to the beach without cash because I'm always yeah. ready for that like uh, fudgy wudgy guy to come around. So I always got a Tony spot on me just in case. Yeah, you have to have around. a safety yep. twenty. Yeah, you have to have a safety twenty. Yeah, that's and, great. And so that's I, unbelievable. Go when ahead, I was a kid, I, w- I was one of six kids. So like we yeah. we were always the the lunch packers, right? We could never buy anything. And so now as like an adult, whenever I'm anywhere, I'm always buying ice cream, no matter what the markup is on the beach. I'm like, yeah, give me like five of those because I and then I eat it in front of kids to make them jealous. I'm like, look, one day you'll get a job and have your own money and you can get ice cream on the beach. Yeah. But that day is not today. Nope. Goddamn right. Dude, that dude, you are so right. Cause like when I, I remember one time my mom bought us something from the ice cream man, the ice cream truck one time. And the whole time she's like, really? I got to pay this. I could buy a whole court for this, Matt. Here's your, <laughs> here's your glove with a gumball in it. This would have been, we could get two things of vanilla, uh, you know, Turkey Hill, but no, you had to get your glove. I'm like, mom, we just want to have an experience. You, you know, know what? To, to, to this day, it's the best ice cream you can ever have. You go to like the, the greatest shop. I'm like, no, no, that, that ice cream bar on the beach covered in sand was the greatest treat. Dude. And that's I'll like you, running yeah. all down your arm. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a hundred degrees are... up. You can't eat it fast yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Your hands are like pink. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. But yeah, no, you're right. So now I'm the same way. Like, you know, I had soft serve today because it's fucking delicious. So what are you gonna do nice okay so then let's talk about this you're doing the badge checker god bless you because that's just a tough job i'll tell you this the other day and i think you would you would smack these badge checkers in the in the face because i was at the beach the other week right and we're on the i'm on the beach right and i'm with my daughter but my wife is like where our stuff is by like the towel but i'm like in the water we saw the badge checkers walk up they went up to my wife and they're like, hey, can we see your badges? We didn't have, we have badges, but we'd accidentally left them at the house, right? So we didn't have them on us. And my wife told her, she's like, uh, my husband has them. And he's in the water with my daughter. Did not have them, right? And the person was just like, okay, and left. And I was like, you know, now I'm hearing your stories. And I'm like, that just, that, that just seems like unfair. You know, like you wouldn't, Jill wouldn't let that slide. No way. No, a lot of people use that. Oh, well, it's over there or somewhere. And you're like, and right, no we'll one knows. And I say, okay, we'll bring it up to me. Yeah. Like, we'll get them and bring them over. Yeah. But, and Jill, did you have like I a sixth back. sense? Like you could, you, like you saw a group and you're like, yeah. they don't have a fucking bag. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was very easy to, to yeah. get a feel for what you were about to encounter. Yeah. Um, Looking back, I'm kind of embarrassed. I should have just let people enjoy the beach a little bit more. You were working on commission, Jill. You got to yeah, get that fucking paper. Yeah, also, but ask me, ask me how much I made per badge. How much well, you make per badge? Yeah, one quarter. <laughs> one quarter of a dollar. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, hey, like how how many badges would you sell so on a twenty five cents a badge? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh my god. So oh sad. You mm-hmm. would have to sell 20 badges to make Wait, were, were, was it hourly and commission or just commission? Yes. Yeah, okay. it was hour, hourly, but it was more about the competition. I wanted to hear that I was the badge checker that sold the ah. most badges at the end of the day. Oh, wow. this is like the old trick where you tell like you you get your little brother to do something by saying I'll time you. <laughs> get those yeah. competitive juices flowing, yeah. baby. Your your dad really <laughs> manipulated the shit out <laughs> yeah. of you. Yeah. I bet no one else was working off commission. Yeah, <laughs> just he just told me. Oh, he just wow. walked up with his white socks. Who, and he's like, did uh, you ever see the proof of the commission? 
Yeah, I mean, okay. I don't know, I'll get an extra dollar, maybe. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> unbelievable. So, Do you ever have to deal with surfers? Because they're a counterculture okay. guy. You really so, don't follow the yes. rules. Yes. The, yeah, what, surfers, great question. So what would they do? Surfers were hard. They they would start running before they they reached you. Usually, <laughs> I was actually sitting at the beginning of each entrance. Each was it, so was yours like a boardwalk or like a sand walk? Yeah. Yeah. Most. Most of them were boardwalks. Okay. Uh, they're a little bit different. There were eight eight different um, streets or yeah, blocks. Okay. And uh, so there was someone at the entrance of each block. Yeah. And uh, so the surfers would start running, you know, right from the street. And they would just whiz <laughs> right on by and say, like, you know, we're not using the beach. The, o- <laughs> the ocean's free. <laughs> so. I, I guess... I guess it's kind of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just I really wrong. argue. Yeah, yeah, they're not wrong. I mean, to be fair, like the fair, like the people parking on the beach, they're paying to park on the beach all day, right? Like if they're just yeah, floating in the space. water, yeah, yeah. littering in their, in their monkey suits, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the, the the surfers don't have any uh, what we call negative externalities going on on the beach. No, yeah, they're not leaving, you know, empty ice cream wrappers all over. So, okay. Okay. So I do want to talk about this though. So you're swimming, you're doing soccer. Let's also say like you played lacrosse in high school and things like that. And you played softball and basketball. So you were like very active, but you were, so because you were swimming, right. You did the badge checker. Was that like the weekend gig or, and then during the week, you worked at a swim club as like a a swim instructor slash camp counselor. Is that kind of right? Yeah. So it was actually the same beach, but on the Bay side, they had like a little camp. They had a clubhouse. And then during the week, during the day, there was a camp, maybe for like six hours, five or six hours. How many kids? That's a good question. Um, It was four, ages four to 12. And uh, there were maybe... 15 kids per uh yeah so i don't know 80 80 100 you, at, how old were you when you started doing the camp counselor thing, yeah right? i was i was a little bit older than them uh the camp counseling right. i started maybe like 17 oh, okay so it wasn't like a 13 year old is in charge of the 12 year old i see right so, yeah, and they had did. most okay. counselors were assigned to a specific group but as swim instructor i got each group Okay. So like, it's hard they, to tell yeah. for me because they just didn't get in the water. So I don't really know how many kids there were. Why uh why wouldn't they get in the water? I love swimming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great so there were there were a lot of jellyfish. I was supposed oh, to be teaching oh swim lessons god. in the bay. <laughs> oh were, my god. It was covered. Really? Covered in jellyfish? Yeah. Yes. How many like Juan, when you say covered, like I remember one time we went to Ocean City for like a like a like a couple days. And there was like, I would say there was like a crop of like jellyfish there, like in the beach, right? And it was whatever, you know what I mean? Like we could kind of avoid them. Were you able to avoid the jellyfish or was this like you're no avoiding them? No avoiding them. And so the bay is dark, right? But if you stood on the the dock, you could probably count 20. And then I I had to jump in. That was part of my job. At the beginning of each swim lesson, I just had to get in and try to get I might get like two or three kids that love swimming to get in with me, but yeah. most of them are like, I see 25 jellyfish in yeah. like, like three, a three is foot there, radius, you is, know, like, yeah. Is there any way to like herd the jellyfish away? Like why yeah, were they coming Yeah, we had you? a net. 
it was from the runoff. So it started maybe uh, when the water would get warmer in July, it would bring yeah. the jellyfish in. And uh, we put a net around our little Bay Area, but they, I don't know what happened. They just get over it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so you can actually crap. pick jellyfish up with your hands. They won't sting and your hands. What? So yeah, like at the top of it, right? It's the tentacles yeah. that get you. But also, like, the palm of your hand isn't really sensitive yeah. to it's their sting. Thick. So you could pick them up. What is so sensitive? we would throw them every other part of your body. You oh. just have thicker skin on the yeah. bottom of your hands. And I guess because it, it, oh, like, like you never get poison ivy on the palm of your hands yeah. too, right? I guess it's one of those things. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, you know we would oh. throw them. We would try and clear like a space, but um, you know they obviously swim on in, and they would wrap their tentacles around your arms and legs. Jesus. So oh. Pull them off the kids. Yeah. We oh. And you were voluntarily getting in there every single day. Oh. Every day. Yeah. I still have nightmares about this. Oh, yeah. I, I'm you having know, nightmares time, right now. I, yeah. I went, uh, what is it, parasailing, right? Where you're on the boat and they had the uh, the parachute on you. I did that one time. And I remember they always dunk you into the water. And as they're dunking me into the water, I could see I was over a giant school of jellyfish. Oh. And I'm just like screaming. I'm like, no, no. And then they drop me into the jellyfish. And to this day, I will never go parasailing again. I don't even like being did out they hit, Did water. you get whacked with the jellyfish? Like, Oh, yeah, I got whacked, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's so scary. How did, how, like, knock on wood, I mean, God, I know I'm going to get stung now that I'm saying this. But knock on wood, I haven't been stung yet. Doesn't mean I won't be. I'll probably be stung tomorrow. Whatever. Just <laughs> screwed myself. But what is it like? Is it that bad? Like it's being not. Stung? It's not that bad. I mean, I wouldn't get in the water every day and do it. She was getting in there every day. That's yeah. why I feel like it's a just, pussy. I'm still like scarred from my parasail. Like yeah, I mean, at least there are different types of jellyfish. These guys, they they had long tentacles and they were pretty small. Like their bodies were yeah. pretty small. But um, yeah, it's like a dull throbbing for oh. maybe like 30 minutes, an hour afterwards. But oh. it's nothing like, you know, something you might encounter in Australia. Yeah, the box yeah. jellyfish. Okay. Wait, yeah. what the hell is in Australia? Like a man of war. <laughs> yeah, what Portuguese man of war. <laughs> what the hell are they? Yeah, man, that's, I, that's let me like see if I can pull it. Are they? That I found big? out about a port. Yeah, they're huge. Their tentacles are like over hundred feet long. Actually, it might be hundred yards. So they could let like electrocute you, and you're like, like you're done. Like it's yeah. like going to the electric chair. Yeah, you're not gonna find those um, in the bay in New Jersey. Yeah, and to be thank honest, God. a lot of the kids would get would get back in even after getting stung. So it's really not. Yeah, the kids that aren't huge, you know, vajays. They're just real, yeah. you know, real badasses. Those are the kids that are running Fortune 500 companies today. So, <laughs> you know. But nice. Okay, so yeah, Pete, you're gonna pull up a thing and we'll look oh, at yeah, it. Let me. Uh... So while we're doing that, I do want to say this. So um you're you're so you're doing the badge checking and then you're doing the camp counseling and that was like you did that kind of through college right well I went to a co-op school so my school my college was actually full time I didn't really have summers okay so after that first year of school you don't have any other summers so uh, I see I maybe was 1920 tops when I when I had to just live, end up living in Boston full time. Yeah, okay. and and Jill, just uh, because I went to Drexel, and I believe Drexel yeah. and Northeastern are very like it's a five year program with what we call trimesters instead of semesters. Yeah, yeah, and, and so just for the people listening, what basically what that means is like after your freshman year, the next three years are split in half. So half the year you're doing classes, and then half the year you're working uh, for an internship. Nice. Yep. So that that kind of cuts out your summers. Yeah, that's fun though. I mean. You're still having a good time. 
right yeah yeah but so okay so like you kind of finished like so maybe like uh your second year of college so let's just say this so you went to so you leave your catholic school you graduate you finish and you go to northeastern university right or northeastern college is that what it's called university Northeastern University yeah. in Boston. So you go up there. But before you went there, you did try a job. And people, <laughs> so people that aren't from, um, you know, aren't from the, like Jersey and like the East Coast, in New Jersey, this is a thing where di diners, maybe like I know in Philly and in like Pennsylvania, diners like sometimes are just like shitty and like kind of run down and they're 24 It's just the hour cheap option. Day. Yeah, they're the cheap option. But in Jersey, like the diners in Jersey are legit. And you like, there's some of them that are like top notch, you know? Oh, yeah. So Jill here tried her hand at waitressing mm. at a diner and didn't go very well. Jill, is that to say the least? Yeah, it was, it was maybe two weeks before I got fired. <laughs> One paycheck. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know if I got that. What happened? Can you give us a rundown? <laughs> I guess I'm just really bad at it. So I, I didn't remember anyone's order. I didn't really know that. Well, were you trained? Like, did they, did they, like, oh, normally, yeah. like, when you get, like, these jobs, they, they yeah, you the have, like, a day or two is, of, like, yeah. you know, initiation and, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually don't know how to answer that question. I don't want to throw it all on them. Um, I'm sure I would have <laughs> failed, you know, in the service industry anywhere. Yeah. Um, but the training really consisted of standing in the kitchen, like, where everyone was chain smoking oh. over, the, over the in food. the kitchen yeah oh my god i remember god. my first day the girl training me if you want to call it that was just showing me her new tattoo that her boyfriend gave her and it was on her vagina <laughs> so it was a classy establishment yeah that's what, what she was showing me he did it with like a pen or some ink they had what you know was like, the tattoo he of? gave her a jailhouse uh, tattoo on her vajay yeah yeah it was it said, it I think it said addict. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Property and of <laughs> Joe. Yeah, I like, oh my God. I didn't know where that I was. That yeah, is so. hilarious. <laughs> what did this girl look like? I mean. Tell me she was like. like somebody that would have a tattoo of, on her vagina? You can kind of piece it together. But tell me, was, <laughs> yeah. she, was, she, did, was she spelt or was she a linebacker? Oh, she, she was very thin. Oh, okay. so she was an addict and it yeah. wasn't for the <laughs> Yeah. I see. She was an actual addict. Ah. Yeah. So that place was a little depressing in general, but yeah. I did a really poor job of like learning how to do anything. I couldn't You're, carry the yeah. tray. I couldn't yeah. bring people drinks. You're it too good really for that bad. place anyway. You oh, had a that's, brain. That's nice. <laughs> there are I some, wanted those yeah. tips. I wanted those summer tips. But that's the thing like yeah. that, that's why that the job is great because it's it's cash you get cash yeah. every yeah. single day yeah but it's also like there is an element and like dude i'll tell you this and i worked in in bars and restaurants for years there is a big drug element to that type of job because it is such like it's a physically demanding job and it can be mentally taxing as well when you have like you know people talking down to you and complaining like doing all these things and but yeah, you're, but it seems like you deserved to be yelled at and stuff because you're forgetting orders. You're not knowing what you're doing. I mean, we'll say you weren't trained to the best. You were too busy going over tattoos on some random girls, <laughs> you know, random girls, Bajuva, but uh, her puppy. Let's play her, the connect the Dutch, Jill. Okay. Yeah. But okay. 
<laughs> so you had trouble waitressing. Um, did you do salad works before you went to Northeastern or after? I did salad works. I want to say was my senior year of high school. It was terrible. Was Subway kind of, like, of salads. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of like stopped lacrosse and uh, you were like, look, if I'm not going to do a sport, I have to work because I'm saving money to get jobs. How did you like well, working at? Cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How did you like working at SolidWorks? I I didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was really boring. You can imagine at night during the week, there's maybe three or four people that come in there. Oh, yeah. It's a total lunch place. Yeah. Yeah. So I would go after school. And so I had the like closing shift. It was very boring and uh, a lot of standing around. I have to be doing something. I want to be really busy. And this was just got to be staring. fighting up jellyfish nonstop. Otherwise, you yeah, get bored. that was exciting, <laughs> right? That's the job yeah. I ended up working after uh, getting fired from the diner. Yeah. And, and that was also like kind of during and after the salad work. So that was really exciting. And then I would go to salad works and I would just stare at the door oh. for, you know, six, eight hours. So oh, yeah. really there was no smartphones back then. So you only oh. had your own thoughts. I mean, you're doing your, your schoolwork, I'm assuming, and things like that. But yeah. I guess I'll read the menu again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a manager that would go home early, he would say, but then he would have a camera in his home that oh. was on us at work and so yeah. you know if we weren't standing there waiting at the <laughs> register he would call and say where are you <laughs> oh what a piece of trash yeah what creepy. a piece yeah. of trash That's a, you know what that reminds me of like uh so one of my like i i worked uh, at a deli growing up and then i i worked at giant in their deli and when i was there was when they first installed the kiosk where you you know could order and pick it up but the kiosk right. was horrible because you had these like a line of 30 people there. And I'm like just doing this kiosk <laughs> order. And I'm like, well, I feel like a dick. So what we used to do is we would unplug the kiosk and then just tell like, oh, I guess it's broken. And then management <laughs> called on. So when we would unplug it, they'd call us. I'm like, did you unplug the kiosk? I'm like, oh, I guess the uh, plug fell out. <laughs> <laughs> oh as they God. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah as, as plugs tend to do. You know, gravity, it doesn't stop. Wow. It was that much? Like, wow, that's unbelievable. But, well, that was the thing. Like, oh, don't go to Acme. Come to Giant where you can do the kiosk and pick up your lunch meat as you're shopping. And I was like, yeah, but there's a group of like 40 people that are yeah. angry because I'm sitting here like not taking their orders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? So, okay. So nice. All right. So let's keep it going. So you, so like we said, um, you went to Northeastern. Northeastern is a co-op. So what that means right? Is this where you started like a clinical lab technician, right? Like, can you kind of yes. explain what the co-op gimmick is? Because even though I'm really smart, really well educated, <laughs> very well spoken, extremely very good looking too. Um, yeah. Like I have, Giant these, yeah, amazing accolades. Um, but I did not go to college. Hard to believe. I know. Look at my hair says college all the way, but I did not attend a college or a university. Uh, I graduated from the School of Hard Knocks, head of my class. Um, but can you kind of give, uh, for the people that don't know, what a co-op is and what was the experience like for you? Yeah, so a co-op is kind of like an internship. So you have them at, I think, Drexel and Northeastern are the big colleges, but I think other colleges yeah. are starting to pick that up. Yeah. Um, you pretty much are getting paid most of the time to gain real life experience while you're in college. So when you go to graduate and apply for jobs or maybe graduate programs, you actually have experience, job experience yeah. under your belt. Uh, whereas usually you're coming out with just some, you know, 
you've read a few textbooks maybe and you just have some coursework but work now at readers over the summer and yeah, <laughs> yeah, now you're, yeah you're a lot more competitive and i think a lot of people need to like work for a few years at least for what i was trying to do i wanted to go to grad school so yeah most people i know in grad school had to take those filler years they they're called where they they spend a few years gaining that experience after ah college and then yeah. they're able to use that experience to get into grad school whereas i just went straight in so that's yeah. just an example of why it's beneficial and it's another so thing beneficial. is that yeah it teaches you what you don't want to do i think that's yeah. huge so I, that's what i was going to say jill yeah. like you realize like wait a minute maybe this major isn't yes. for me that's, i would have gone yeah. to med school for example and i i'm very sure that that would have been a mistake so you know my first co-op i didn't even mention this uh you know, in general, I don't, I don't even like bring up this co-op because it was so mindless and just totally pointless. What? But I worked at a health clinic and I just sat there. I thought I wanted to go to med school. So yeah. I, I got this internship yeah. and I got paid and I just sat there and there was nothing for me to do. It was like kind and of a doctor's health? office environment, okay. right? So yeah, so it, it was so boring. And I thought the doctors and generally like everyone I worked with, they were really rude. And I realized I didn't want to do that so what I switched so over medical around. doctors are the jerks of the of the medical world it's not everyone <laughs> but busy. a lot of them a lot of them yeah, yeah. not busy. all of them yeah yeah uh, but they are no. busy yeah and i'm just some like 19 but year old that, like they have no idea yeah. who i am yeah dealing with hypochondriacs all day yeah. all kinds of but that's yeah, also so. like that's a great thing though like you got a little baptism under fire where it's like look I thought I wanted this. They let me taste it. Like, like, look, if you were able to go to a restaurant, you look at a menu and you're like, ooh, I'll try that. But if I don't like it, I can send it back. It's kind of like what you're doing and you taste it and you're like, oh, I didn't really like this one. I'm right. going to go with this. And then you sunk your teeth into it and you're like, okay, I'm digging yeah. this. I'm going to well, order two of them. And, and for Jill specifically, like med school is crazy oh. expensive. You know what oh. I mean? So it's like the, the, it's the, you know, investment. Yeah. Yeah. You go six figures into debt to, to realize something you don't like would be, you oh, know, process. baby, yeah. tell me about it. Yeah. It's and actually, married. that first co-op really like turned me off to the whole co-op experience. I was oh, kind of, wow. I thought it was going to be like that for everything I did. So yeah. usually do, you do three of them yep. and you have the option to do one, two or three or none. And, um, I, you know, kind of forced myself to do another one. And to maybe oh, try okay. something different. And that's when I landed at the clinical lab technician. Okay. Yeah. So, this is kind of, so this is kind of when you got interested in biology. Is that kind of like, like what kind well, of, so. Okay. Joe, you were a bio major, right? Yes. I was all, I went in as a bio major and I uh, always like planned on changing it to something more like. Specific. Okay. So uh, they say you decided not to be uh, customer facing, I guess we would say. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Back exactly. of the house. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's, oh, that's great then. So let's start with this. So two questions. One, what got you interested in biology? And two, what, how did you like being the clinical lab tech? So my interest in biology, um, it's not really a fabulous story. I just freshman year took bio in high school and it was very easy. And so I, I, it, clicked. I, it just clicked. I'll tell yeah. you this. I loved biology. I actually had uh, my 10th grade biology teacher was a teacher named Mr. Fakish. And I'll shout him out because he was a fantastic teacher and really, really liked him. And I really liked biology as well. And I had had thoughts of like, man, I would like to do this. This is so interesting. You know, like, and we were doing stupid stuff like the, you know, like the makeup of a cell and like, you yeah. know, like all that Love stuff. That. But, but like, we were also <laughs> like, 
like dissecting worms and frogs cool. and all that, like all that cool stuff. I love that. And like yeah. breaking it apart and looking under the mic. Like I thought that was so interesting and so much fun, you know, but that's kind of, so that's kind of what you did. So, okay. So then you, did Joe, the- you'll, I, I just got, I think Jill appreciate this. Cause uh, I, I said on the show before, but you know, I, I quit my accounting job and now I'm going back to school to become a nurse. And so I'm in bio right now. And uh, we're in these accelerated terms. So the first, uh, Zoom lecture was yesterday, and uh, on the Zoom call, I, I just asked. I said, "Hey, uh, is twelve to fifteen hours of studying a week sufficient?" And she goes, "Yeah, that should be sufficient unless you're a finance major." And I go, "Well, I am an accountant." <laughs> and she goes, "Yeah." She besmirched the shit out of me. Goes, and I'm like, "Yeah, well, I am an accountant." And she goes, "Huh? Didn't expect that insult to land. I guess I'll buy a pi- Powerball ticket tonight." So. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So okay. Nice. Okay. So let's do this. Um, what drew you to the clinical lab job? And can you kind of give like, what was your role as a clinical lab tech? Yeah. So I can't remember what drew me to it. Maybe yeah. it was the hospital environment. I've always liked hospitals and I wanted to work in one. So, I always liked hospitals. Yes. Yeah. I fucking hate Strange, them. I, know. I hate them. Uh, so I liked that there was like a cafeteria I could go to. No, it's, <laughs> food, it's clean. It doesn't take much. Yeah. So yeah, you could have worked at a prison. Yeah. I could have yeah. worked in that diner, I guess. Oh, there yeah. are people here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the case. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the job was a lot of fun. So when you go to the hospital and you get any specimen or you get any sample taken, so, for example, you have a sore throat, they swab your throat. Got it. Uh, the swab goes down to me for a strep test and... Uh, yeah, just an example. It could be any kind of specimen. I was in charge of processing as the intern. And so I kind of took everything, whatever the doctor ordered on the requisition form, they had an idea of what they thought the patient had. And so they would request certain tests. And so then I'd, I'd set up those tests and I'd pretty much culture. It was all bacteria really I was working with. So there are different labs for different kind of types of tests. So I was yeah. doing, you know, the micro lab these weren't taste tests they weren't no nope (laughs) (laughs) and so we would culture them overnight and grow the bacteria and then you pretty much the next day come in and and figure out what that bacteria is that grew with a series of tests when they do the test they grow like that's what they do with it Uh, yeah yeah so for example i take that swab and i would kind of just you know run it along auger you know the auger plates like everyone petri yeah. dishes and yeah. you're growing the yeah. bacteria in it so it was just like that and so then the next day you come in and like boom it all grew overnight well, and uh now you gotta hmm. figure out what it is uh, yeah. but that's for that. something that wasn't like a typical strep throat or whatever right like that or well, even even strep you would you would do it that way that's like a, a very easy uh bacteria to identify but then there are like kind of more obscure ones yeah. every now and then we would get a really cool one that we had to report to the cdc oh um, really we would put it up on the projector and all look at it and that was Whoa. an exciting day <laughs> yeah if someone that's had salmonella cool. or like c diff you know you yeah. have to report that it's yeah, like outbreak. Wow. You have to get Dustin Hoffman in. Like, it's, it's spreading throughout yeah. the city. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so that was always so fun when uh, we had a patient that was really sick with something like that. <laughs> You're like, guys, this person like looks like they're almost dead. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> yeah, a full so sample, too. We need. We got to go all out on this guy. So yeah, that's another were, question. There were a lot of stool samples. I was yeah. just going to say, <laughs> what, like, what do you do with them, though? Do you, like, 
rip them apart or do you put them through a machine or like what's the gimmick now essentially just like dip a stick in there and kind of smear it on uh whatever plates and whatever you need so yeah. you kind of had to dig around in it a little it's oh, a shitty situation all around yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 man that's really probably yeah that's like out of like if you're looking at like the numbers of situations that's not your number one choice that's definitely your number two choice you know like if you're gonna... <laughs> yep yep we actually yeah. had a box of matches right there next to that bench and we would light them all the time if it was a particularly bad one. Oh wow! So, it, it so you, you, you really, you really like, worked. So you're yeah. in a hospital. Yeah, you're in a hospital sulfur. in Boston. Yeah. Boston's like one of the top like medical, you know, sciencey places. And your thing was, hey, light a match. Yeah. Yes, because hey. I would open that container oh. on this side of the lab, and someone all the way on the other side would be like, oh, who shit? Yeah, they're like <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> they're and we like, light a match me. and it really worked. Did we get rid of like, it immediately? Look, this guy's been drinking Sam Adams and yeah. he had, you know, the whatever. I don't know what food is famous <laughs> in Boston, but he had that and he's been just the clam trip. chowder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been drinking lager and having chowder. Yeah, he, he's got some Sam Adams. He's been throwing back Sam Adams all day. He's got the clam chowder, some lobster yeah. rolls, and boom. Yeah, this thing might stink, but you're lucky it's in one piece, you son of a bitch, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, you're, you're, I mean, those are the, but still, like, you get to, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's interesting, it's very, to me, that's very interesting, and it's another part of, like, the shaping the world around us, like, when people go to the hospital, everyone here has been to the hospital and had to do a piss sample, or yeah. a, th a throat swab, or whatever gimmick, right and when that happens they take it and you're you just sit there in a room and you're waiting and what they're waiting for is for you to be like yeah dumbass it's what you thought it was jesus christ here don't send yeah. this shit my way again but you know like it's that's but that's kind of what it is so that's like and people have experienced this so many times and have no idea what's going on but now it's like that's fascinating so now you know the next time you're in there you're gonna have some 19 year old intern that has your child's life in their hands so that's great, <laughs> exactly. that's great. So the other, you said you worked on uh bacterias right yeah i did a little bit of virus work there so there were a lot oh. of like, rapid flu tests when you get that taken oh, at the yeah. hospital a lot of kids have rsv tests or cmv if you have kids you might have heard of those things um, yeah what are they uh if you could RSV. Yeah, so RSV is a lot like flu, but it really just infects infants and young children ah. mostly. But oh, it's flu-like wow. symptoms. It's similar, but uh, it can be scary if if you have any kind of like other lung or um, like heart issues. So a I lot of times you. kids will have trouble breathing and they'll have to be hospitalized for that. So most kids get RSV before they're two. Yeah. So okay. So it's just, you kind of get it and goes through like the chickenpox, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah. And so those those rapid tests that you get at the hospital, those would get sent down to our lab as well. I mean, a rapid test is really easy to to run, right? Like a yeah. five year old could do that. And, and yeah. Joe, could you give us a, a quick like just the difference between a virus and a bacteria, and the difference yeah. like how you would test for them? Like, yeah, great. Yeah, coffee. yeah, that's a that's a good uh, question. So, a virus <laughs> isn't it can't live on its own. It has to be inside. Okay, it has to be in a yeah. host. So yeah. and if we're talking about human viruses, it's humans. Yeah. But there are viruses for every there are viruses that like to live in bacteria. So ah. yeah, but, uh, okay, so a virus can get a bacteria sick? Yes, yeah. So Whoa. Um, it's a real fighting fire with fire situation. Jesus. Yeah. But the idea though, 
is the same for viruses and bacteria. They need to just make more of themselves, right? And so they oh, just a repeat. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's viruses, like in, in the Matrix. It's the uh, the agent in the Matrix that just keeps duplicating himself in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, that's fascinating. So. So to to test for a bacteria, it's actually a lot easier than if you're looking for a virus. I, oh, nice. In my opinion, you just kind of like I said, you just throw it on a dish. It grows in a day, and you can essentially that next day figure out what it is yeah. and what drug is going to, um, you know, be able to treat it. So, how do you know? Yeah. Like, so you have like samples of the ingredients that are like prevalent in the drug, and you're just like, look, let's touch of this, a touch of this, touch of this, thinking maybe this will work. Bada boom, and then you throw that. Is that kind of how it works? Like, you're just like. A little pinch of this, maybe a touch of that. Like, is that a dash of uh, something yep. and you're cured? Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like a protocol for each uh, type of specimen. So if you're pulling something out of someone's respiratory tract, you're going to run a certain, you know, number of tests for oh. bacteria that are typically found there. If yeah. you're if you're looking at something in a stool sample, that's going to be a whole different, you know, whole different pool of bacteria. Yeah. yeah. So, so different uh, bacteria live in the long versus yeah, that live in, yeah, yeah I got so, you. Oh, I see. so it's not, you know, there's, there's always like the, the usual suspects. Yeah. And uh, if you've got a wound sample, that's where it's like, you know, whoa. You don't, you don't know, know what know you're what's getting. Gonna be. Yeah. But um, really, because like, because depending on the weapon used to cause the wound and like. <laughs> well, it's usually just so dirty is what it is. So like oh, urine, wow. urine samples are so, like technically sterile. Yeah. And oh. so you're not That's why I like the taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you can drink urine your own. Urine. Really? You can drink your own urine three times before it's toxic. I read <laughs> I read that somewhere. I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, yeah. You, you, uh, you have to be careful. You're a doctor. As far as I'm concerned, that? that's like the law now. Yeah. Who the hell hey, has Gil said that? I can drink it three times. Yeah. Yeah. This is number two. I got one more. <laughs> that's yeah, in case yeah. you're like stuck in the wild. And you need that is good. Hydration. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, if you yeah, if you end up like getting a, like a ditched in the wilderness. Yeah, sure. So, you never uh, you never know when you're gonna need to drink your own you know caboose. So it's uh yeah three times those people listening. So Pete, that's one a, more and you're done. All right. But just say like uh we talk about like a uh, mixed martial arts on the show, but there was a famous fighter called Leoto Mochita Ugh. that w- that used to drink his own urine because he thought it was oh. good for him. Yeah, same thing with uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. Yeah. He was he was a, a Japanese Brazilian, so he's half Portuguese, you know, half Portuguese Brazilian descent and half Japanese. Uh, strange guy, very good fighter though. But I, yeah. I I I never took his advice. This has no. nothing to do with making weight. This is just like a no. Journal. He just I I don't know why he did it. He just was like, oh no, this is good for training. And I'm like, I don't think it is. They the from what I understand, it's like the nutrients. They their body oh. is such a temple. They only put all the the these exact things in there. So they're just thinking like I'm just reusing the same nutrients I've been putting in there. Yeah. And- so if you like if you take enough multivitamins or probably even just one multivitamin, you're probably peeing out most of that. So yeah, anything really? like in excess, like your body can only take up so much. And so and then you, you just gotta you get rid of the rest. Out a lot of nutrients. Yeah. So maybe yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. in that, or you could just, you know. All right. Take to move on from the pee okay. drinking talk. <laughs> so tell us, then how, how do you test for a virus? How is that so different? For a virus, it's a little bit different because you're not going to try and grow that virus. 
and figure out oh, what really? that virus is. Is it because it's, it's, it's too dangerous, too difficult, or too well, long? Well, it's just, it's going to take a long time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty much you have your standard virus panel. You know, you have all the virus diagnostics for the viruses that you encounter. Are there more viruses commonly. than bacteria? Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> uh, there's, I, I'm sure there are more viruses and bacteria that haven't been discovered yet than those that have, have been discovered yeah yeah, yeah. there are more so, unknown unknowns yeah. than knowns yeah so, so that's hard to tell yeah what is the so for the virus though like when you see a virus like do you have to put on a special hazmat suit and like how do you contain a virus because isn't aren't they airborne a lot or like what's the deal some of them are most of them are not oh um Oh, wow. So, I mean, well, we're thinking about, you know, this coronavirus. Yeah, we're, we're in COVID land, so we're just paranoid. Yeah, like, they're floating so, all around us. Sure. Like all of, a lot of the viruses, I, I do work with some coronaviruses that are airborne, and so you oh, really? suit up for that. Yeah. Oh, wow. But so, like, for is the this, one, like, outbreak where you have, like, the uh, the cable in your back that gives you oxygen yeah, and all you that? I, the whole I do. I have, like, a papper. And there is like a tube that goes in that's attached to a respirator, but it's wow. not it's not the full suit. It's not what you're picturing because that's that's the the next level up. So yeah. that's biosafety level four. And yeah. those are like, you know, Ebola. Oh. Yeah, Ebola, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm just working at level three. And so it's kind of like a half suit yeah. almost. So, um, okay, sorry, go ahead. So the viruses aren't in the feet, so you just have to do the top half. Like, oh, they, they, yeah, they don't have a we, foot fetish. You know what? We put here. booties on those little like disposable <laughs> yeah. booties, but Ooh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that does. So yeah. yeah, to be honest, you know, they're like mesh. So uh, that's but that's kind of what you're doing now. So I wanted to get into this. So you're doing like the virus stuff as well now. So like, but what happened was you did Northeastern, you graduated from Northeastern, then you went to get your your grad, you went to grad school at the university of southern florida right and that's where you like majored in biology so what is like when you're there you're doing your and i don't and like i want to get back into the the virus process later but i want to get more in depth with it because that's kind of like you're doing a lot of that now with your research so but we skipped to grad school (laughs) yeah so you went to grad school southern florida you're majoring in biology what is the dissertation and like the process there so what are you doing yeah yeah exactly like so jill yeah you you got into a phd program so how is a phd different from a bachelor's and a master's i guess is is a good question well i'll tell you mine's different because it's a player hater degree so there you go (laughs) (laughs) that was bad uh so uh, that is a good question, actually. So it was University of South Florida in Tampa. And so this is it's actually a go huge school. Yeah, it's a pretty big school. And so uh, I was just at a College of Medicine campus, which is like at the main campus. But um, so it's all just graduate yeah. students and graduate programs. Yeah. And so what you do the first like year or two, you do classes just like you would do in undergrad. But then you you actually pass a qualifying exam. So first you start out as just a grad student, and then you do this exam where you kind of write a proposal of what you want to study. You present it, and then there's a big kind of question and answer session with a panel of professors, and they kind of try and grill you yeah. for a while and and scare you. And if you pass that <laughs> now, yeah, if you pass that now, you're a PhD candidate. And so then you spend, you know, somewhere like four years, the worst years of your life, 
trying to <laughs> essentially come up with like an original piece of knowledge that you will then contribute to the field in writing yeah, your and dissertation. That, that's that's what I find like the original piece. Like it's not like you're like yeah, like I, I guess everything else you can do through like uh, what rote memorization, but once you're here, it's like, oh yes. no, I need to yeah, I need to yeah. present something unique and and yep. how I can better the world almost. Yeah, it's like a new thought. It, of course, can build on something that already exists. It has to, pretty much. Right. Uh, but it, it should be your, like, a complete idea that you brought, you know, from start to finish. You write up this dissertation. I think mine's, like, a few hundred pages. And oh, wow. I included not just, like, the... So you also should publish. Usually it's two papers, your first author paper, so you know your first, and then anyone else that helped. And when but, you're publishing it, it, like, are you publishing it on your own, or is it normally like, oh, I'm working with this professor that already has a PhD yeah, or so these you, other PhD candidates? Yeah, you work in a professor's lab, and they're called the principal investigator or PI, and yeah. they they are always going to be last author on your paper. So the last author on these these scientific journal articles are going to be, you know whoever's lab you did that research in and yeah. then the middle authors are other people that help and so it's suggested to have one or two of those published in order to graduate and you, okay. you kind of have to have that done in order to get permission to to write your dissertation and graduate oh so this and is think, like yeah this is just like hey we're signing off this is cool this is original go for yeah, it yeah i guess you do a, like an annual presentation to your you have a committee it's like four oh. or five professors that you pick yourself and they're supposed to kind of uh conduct research that's relevant to your project and so they'll give you good advice and and guidance is the idea i don't know if that always happens but yeah. uh you know it's a nice but, yeah, the sign off <laughs> and, yeah like yeah. hey uh, this person's so, not an idiot <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you'll present to them your work and they're supposed to keep you in line. Like, okay, we'll make sure like, you know, you're doing this, this, and this so that you graduate on time, which is just whenever you're ready. There's no, it's not yeah, like right, that, Yeah, there's not a window yeah. of time. It's like, oh, well, no. four years and five years. It's, hey, whenever this thing is finished and accepted. Yeah. Yeah, and that can be really stressful and weird at times because you're always wondering if you're behind. It's not like med school where you, there's a class of students and you're doing everything at the same time the same thing, the same classes. It's you're the only one doing this project in this oh. lab and uh, you have no idea if you're moving way too slow. And they know so, exactly kind of like how to track you and what to expect and like, they know like how the process is supposed to go. So they know like, hey, why isn't this person here right now? And Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that happens sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you might be in someone's lab where they care a lot about you being there all the time. And then I, oh, had, that was me. God. And then I had friends <laughs> Uh, I had friends who, you know, they were their PI or professor just yeah. was never around, didn't care. And must have been know. nice. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Jill, you're almost, uh, uh, you're almost like free or cheap labor for the university too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, we're, it's not free actually. What's cool is that you do get a stipend. It's not oh. really How enough to work? live off of, but yeah. You do you have to pay paid. tuition or is it like, oh, we're paying your tuition and we're giving you a stipend or is it like, I guess that, is it a net stipend or is it your, it's still money Correct. out the door? Yeah. So I think at least where I went, there was a weird uh, net stipend kind of thing okay. that happened. I ended up having to pay some really small amount, like $700 yeah. a semester. Okay. 
but then I got this stipend. So I thought it would make more sense for them to just subtract that out. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so. I have a little bit of familiarity because my sister's a PhD in econ. So it, it you know, it's not the, the hardest science, but yeah, she yeah. would like teach classes and she then they were sending me checks. I'm like, yeah, but you're still paying tuition. So why don't we just kind of like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. So I'm sure they're trying to get around fees and things like that. And so yeah. uh, generally though, you're making money as opposed to oh, if you were in med school where you're like, yeah, then it's going to accrue figures. a serious debt. Yeah, two hundred grand. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man. So, yeah. It's nice. You're getting this degree. You're getting paid a little bit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And were you teaching at all? Or I taught one course. I didn't have to. So some some PhD programs you have to be a TA. Yeah, my sister had to teach for econ, yeah. so you don't have to teach. Oh, in that, biology. So, no. but that's like part of the curriculum is they make you teach. Yes. And so oh, it, wow. like, to me, that's but not, kind for, of not for you though, right? No, okay. I don't know how you're supposed to do your dissertation research and also teach courses yeah. the whole time. That I just seems don't like know how so much. people do that. Yeah. So um, I didn't have on campus where I was at least in school, we didn't have any undergrads because it was a med school. So ah. they didn't, you know, they oh, couldn't make those kids ruin classes. everything. Yeah. There were no students to teach. So that ah. didn't really like apply for us. But uh, in some cases, they do have to do that. That has to be stressful. Yeah. Um, but for us, it was just nonstop. I probably did 10, maybe even more hours a day in the lab. It's like a kind of laid back environment, but yeah. um, you're expected to do a lot. And uh, Is it kind yeah. of like one of those, like, look, if you're getting your shit done, we'll just let you do your thing. But if you're falling behind, like, we have to let you know. And like, like yeah, that yeah. that's yeah, nice. I think the, that's the, the best national... way to be. Yeah, the national average, I think, is at least last I checked, five and a half years for getting a PhD. Oh, wow. uh, okay. How long finish, did it take you? I think it took me about five and a half years. Good. Yeah, that was, great. yeah. Yeah. It, and I think once you hit eight, you're you're kicked out of the program. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> They're like, yeah. hey, you didn't get it by now, pal. It's just not yeah, fucking at least that's so. That was the case at USF. And I think that might actually be a national standard. Because uh, is there definitely. exceptions for someone that takes on, we'll say, a harder dissertation? Or is that kind of yeah. like the professors are kind of, that's why they kind of tell you at the beginning, like, hey, he might be biting off more than he can chew and you're oh, not going to make wow. it. Yeah, yeah it's up call. to your professor and your committee to guide, to help make your like project decision so yeah conceptually creating the project and then you know you're just non-stop doing experiments yeah 95 percent of them yeah. are not going to work and so you have to really? make decisions yeah you have to make wow. decisions along the way do i continue trying to make this happen or do yeah, i shit still smells like shit this? gotta go back uh, to the yeah yeah <laughs> We always talk about how um, getting a, a wolf PhD, hair in this species, huh? <laughs> getting a PhD is like the definition of insanity. We still always say that. Yeah, you just and, and do the like, same thing over and over. over yeah. uh, <laughs> well, to me, like the research process seems like it can be kind of tedious. Is that? But like, we had a former guest of the show, friend of the show, Carl Bowers. Right? He is a master carpenter, master craftsman. But for fun, he likes to build like grandfather clocks and stained glass. And he's told us, he's like, the work is kind of tedious, but he loses himself in that. And he kind of, yeah, like, it's almost like therapeutic or exactly. Do you, is, is that the same kind of work with the research? Like a lot of repeat in processing and note taking and stuff and kind of can be tedious at times, but do you find you're like, in the you're, zone. yeah, you're in like your element there. I do think at times um, you can kind of get in the zone, but I think it's more like addicting to get good data. 
I think that's uh, what's driving you results. because it's so rare. Yeah. And so, like, oh, and baby, that data. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. like you're also calculating, you're calculating in your mind. You're like, okay, well, this didn't work. So let's try this. And I think this is going to work. And then this is going to hit. And then you're like, yeah. mother. Exactly. And then you think about yes. it again and you're like, well, you know what? Maybe if I tried this, because this goes here and this is a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. And then when that hits, you're like, motherfucking money, you know, like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that. description of it. It's very accurate. <laughs> she's look, yeah, she's looking for that uh, researcher high. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you're not like doing the same exact thing over and over and you're changing yeah. something. So yeah. That, yeah. that's required really. Just that but, one thing. Just that yeah, you, you never, independent variable. You get obsessed figure, trying to figure out what is really? causing so it kind the, of takes you know, the problem. Over. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you do you like in your mind then are you taking your work home with you in your mind like yes. just different things yeah. you're trying? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I think I mean, about it when I'm working out, when I'm in the shower, when I'm trying to go to sleep. But that's when I wake up at three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Is it you know, you're hooking up with your fiance? That, you're like, get the fuck <laughs> off me! I just made an epiphany. Well, no. Like, think about this, right? Like, think about this, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I'll think about, but like. For something to grab your attention and your focus that much, and it's like you're so close to figuring out this puzzle and this thing, and that just- that happens to me in a ca- like in accounting. I would wake up at three. I'm like, holy fuck, that's how I balance the balance sheet. And like, text it to myself. Yeah, like, yeah, don't forget I've had dreams. Yeah, I've yeah. had dreams where I I've made like groundbreaking you know discoveries in my dream but then i can't quite remember what it was and i'm sure it wasn't anything real yeah so uh yeah yeah. unfortunately i think that that could obviously be a downside to this job um you're there a lot you're thinking about it a lot so like it'd be nice to just sleep do you share it with like your yeah do you have someone you can talk to about it though like (laughs) like like it's almost like Like a professional well, like it's almost like, like a, a support group of other PhDs. But it's almost like, like being yeah. a professional sports fan, right? Yeah. Like, say if you like the team, like I don't know, like the New York Jets, right? <laughs> Perennial losers, haven't had a good team since like 2010. Just really a lot of like upsetting stuff happening. Obnoxious the fans, they kind yeah. of smell a little bit. They have their fireman hat bullshit and all that. Their construction <laughs> hat, whatever. Like all that happy shit, Joe Namath documentaries aside, everything like that. Like, but you talk to other Jets fans to deal with your sadness and cope with like just the endless, endless disappointment. So, I mean, is that the kind of thing like you have to kind of lean on your coworkers in a way to be like, you know, this is this is tough. Like, I didn't get any data either. Yeah, no data like, today. Yeah, like I yeah. wanted, I dude, I had my arm all whacked up, ready to go. <laughs> the needles primed, but I just couldn't whack in that data and get my fix. Like, you know, and yes. it's like, but there, do they teach? Is this part of it then? Because like, you're dealing with people that can become so obsessive. Is part of like learning, like getting your your PhD and all that. Do they say like you need to take a break sometimes from your data? Like, is that yes. part of the curriculum? Yeah. So to answer the first part, uh, I think that people I work with in my lab directly, as well as neighboring labs, I think we're abnormally close. Like, so when talking to people working other types of jobs, it's not the same for them and their coworkers. I don't think we're there long hours together. It's a very kind of laid back informal environment. You know, we can wear sweats or pajamas or whatever. And uh, we're eating all of our meals together. We might be there overnight hours, you know, strange Uh schedules. And uh, so 
we're definitely discussing, you know, our lab work as well as probably more of our personal lives with one another than I think is normal in the workplace. And that is normal in the lab, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the second part was, <laughs> what was the question? Well, so is, is it part of the curriculum? But I want to say this. Um, as So me and Pete, we wrestled. And I think that universally, if you wrestled in like kind of a higher level, like you kind of have like a bond where it's like, you know what? Like we were all in the shit together. You know, like, and I think there's yeah, like, I see somebody with a wrestling shirt and I'm just like, what up, bud? Like, yeah, <laughs> I went, like, is, is it or like that kind of camaraderie? Like, well, you hear exactly. someone like, like say kind, yeah. a, a buzzword that you would hear in a PhD program, like, I, I hear you, I see yeah. you. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like you have your associates that way where it's like, you know, we're kind of in this together. Like, they, we know, like, uh -oh. like only certain people know your struggle with this. You know, right, like, yeah. exactly. So it's like, not so abnormal to be crying at work. We've oh, really? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, you're, you're I, I tell people to, your brain, right? I you're tell people your brain. to go to the bathroom to do it because it's, like, uncomfortable, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Listen, but, if you're going to no fucking cry. There's no crying yeah. in biology. <laughs> There's no yeah. crying in the research lab, you pussy. Yeah, Get the I've, fuck out of here. I've texted people, a friend of mine at work, and, and been like, you know, I tell her what bathroom I'm at, what floor, what building. I'm like, get here now. You know, oh, like, wow. it's like kind of normal. Like I had a really bad meeting or, you know, you, you really, you're, I spent three years in grad school trying to get this one piece of data. Oh. And so, you know, there, there, there were a lot of tears involved with that. But I'll tell you when I finally got it, that was really exciting and it's I the highest the, of the highs yeah and it kind of solidified my graduating and getting out of there and I made it the background on my phone for a long time <laughs> I just awesome. wanted to look at it all the time so uh yeah that was three years of you know discussing with my friends in the program with me yeah. you know yeah. I and we're I think people can relate. Like, if, if you put it into like sports or something else, like you work all, you put in all this hour, you put yeah. in all the hours, you put in all this work, and then like when you, like all that heartbreak, and when it finally hits, you're like, that, that's fucking right, I did it. Well, yeah, there's so much. Like to be fair, when you put in your data, and, or when you put in your your tries, like if you don't get it, it kind of feels like a loss in a way, right? Like you're racking your mind, like. Your mind is a Rolodex, right? You research all this stuff and you know, like all these things. So you see this, this virus and this bacteria. So right away, it's like, this goes with this, this goes with this, right? And you're like, okay, this is supposed to work, but this isn't working. So let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. So you're trying all these things and you're setting up all this data and you're putting down like, you know, when you're at number 500 or whatever, like how, like, do you know, like, what's the most amount of times you attempted something and got it wrong before it was right? I mean, probably around 500. So could you yeah. imagine, right? Like you're like, you really want like number 499 <laughs> to fucking work, right? You're like, yeah. And sometimes God. you really, sometimes you really think that you, you got it. And then yeah, and, you're, oh, yeah, it's good. When I will say yeah. another, another really helpful tactic in the lab is to put something down for a month or two and then pick it back yeah. up. Yeah. Right, that right. works well. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. just telling someone at work to put something down because like you could see when people are getting a little crazy. Yeah. And uh, I, I've heard stories of this one guy I used to work with where he 
wasn't going home and sleeping. He was just in the lab obsessively and started knocking everything over all the time because he like needed to take a break. Um, wow. People had to tell him to take a yeah. break. So wow. uh, you know, that's it, happened it, it, to me. Yeah. That's happened to me too. My boss has twice now, my current boss has told me that I look like I need a vacation and that is offensive, I think, but it's also her telling me that I like look strung out in the lab. Yeah, be like, cool it. Like telling yeah, me how cool yeah, it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Jill, like I, I, on, on a micro level, I a little bit relate. So I had my finals a couple weeks ago and my final, it's asynchronous learning, right? It's online and everything. So basically they released the exam at midnight and then you have until midnight the next day to finish it. Um, and I'm a little bit of a night owl, but I'm just like studying all day. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stay up till midnight and I'll just take the exam. And I, I get a coffee at 10 and I'm studying. And then around like 1130, I'm making mistakes on the quizzes. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I just drank this coffee and now I'm like losing it. So now I'm like trying to go to bed so I can take it tomorrow because I'm like, I've already ruined oh my, my brain for the day. <laughs> this yeah. is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Can you say then, Jill, so... And, got, and, and I'm just taking bio 101. God only knows what people that are on a dissertation in a lab. Yeah. So, well, let's do this. So, um, like you're, so you get your dissertation, you get your, you go through grad school, you get your PhD, right? Like all of that. And then when you're done that, now this is kind of bringing us to where you are right now, where you're doing your research and you're going over all these things that you're studying but how are you getting paid for this, right? Like, so when you were doing your co-op, you get like your kind of side hustle gimmick there. You taught a class, maybe got a little gimmick there. But who pays for you to do the research now after you get your PhD and, and your dissertation and all that? In my current role as a postdoc. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good question. So it kind of, there are different ways you could be getting your money, but it's typically in my field, which is virology, um, it's going to be coming from the NIH and the National Institutes of Health. So, okay. you know, Fauci. So Fauci yeah. is paying me right now. Good old Fauci Fauci. Yeah. So what you do is you, um, the PI, so the principal investigator, or the professor who's running the lab. So they have their independent lab. Is that in the person some... that told you you needed your vacation? Yes. And she was <laughs> right. And it was great. Yeah. So, hey. And the independent lab, are they always, I guess, are, are is it a, uh, a for-profit uh, university, uh, non, or is it going to be a mix of, of anything? Like so, there can be a private gimmick too? Like, yeah. Yeah. So University of Pennsylvania is private. And so right. there oh, can wow. also be public universities. But when but I- But I guess, I guess my question is, is it always a university when, when you're a postdoc? It does not have to be. No. So, it so and this wasn't always the case, I don't think, but you can do a postdoc at a company, at a pharmaceutical company. Okay. I don't really know how that will work. Yeah. Um, I've actually been asking around about this even this week because you're you're trying to publish papers and you're trying to publish like just like I was describing yep. for my graduate work. In a postdoc, it's even more important. So papers, peer-reviewed journal articles and scientific journals, they're like currency in my field. So yeah, that, that, that's your resume, basically. Yeah. And I, you know, I was called unproductive for only having one postdoc paper at one point. And now if you, you have more than one, I guess, your people look at your resume and say, wow. And so it's just <laughs> like that that one little thing. 
um, is how everyone interprets your resume and I guess your career in productivity. That's such bullshit. Yeah, it's it's. They, they're not there yeah. when you're breaking down in the third floor bathroom after yeah. you know attempt 347 goes up in shit. Yeah, like thank that's, you. Yeah, thank that's you. bullshit. Yeah, and that's a real taking, shitty. Yeah, that's a real shitty. They're not taking way. a lot of things into account. So some yeah. people are in really large labs where a lot of people are helping them. Yeah. Some people are working completely on their own, but they're held to that same standard. Some so, people are harder subjects. Some people are easier subjects. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's How just, about your, it, your project could just be a much more long-term project. Yeah. So, so there are a lot of different variables. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, this is the way it works. But everyone's judged on the same scale. Yeah. Well, so. so let's talk about this then. Also, I want to ask this. Um, as far as, so I feel like there's one is, so... Is Jonas Salt, is Jonas Salt, is he, like, was he considered a researcher, like our molecular biologist, the cure for polio guy? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly. I, I would assume so, but, but he, like he might have had an Gary? MD. Uh, he yeah. might have had an MD. Yeah. So but is he like I the think... Lou Gehrig of your, for, you know, your job? Like, who is he, who's the big, like, star? That I everyone's think that, like, I think that would be. He's got to be, um, number, he's like the Michael Jordan. He's the Babe Ruth. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cure for polio. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about vaccines, yeah, yeah, he's up there <laughs> for sure. I think we all are in such awe of anyone who wins a Nobel Prize in medicine. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the thing, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. So those are going to be your kind of more molecular biology like breakthrough discoveries. Yeah. And it's funny. It's always at the time they make the discovery. It's like okay. But then they're recognized 50 years later because yeah. it goes on to totally revolutionize the field. So, yeah. well, you know, um, it's also crazy. Like back in the day, like a lot of these guys, like they, they put their money on the line where they're like, oh, uh, I'll just inject myself with the vaccine and see if it yes. works. You're like, what? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. a fucking gamble. <laughs> wow. You're like, all right, I think it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, that, that just speaks to how much they believe in their work yeah they yeah they were they were they all knew in. it was right so yeah so let's talk about this then or um, not and you've never or not yeah they're like well fuck it <laughs> i've so, had too many nights in the lab this yeah, is gonna work or i'm out of yeah, here yeah yeah like i can't i can't go through process number five thousand. so <laughs> but um but okay so i do want to talk about this so i wanted to bring up so you're doing your research you're getting paid you get like a, a gimmick from the national institute of health like the salary minimum uh you're doing your research so you worked on the zika virus is that right yes i still work on zika oh you still for our okay. listeners, yeah. the, it's the still zika a virus is, is the caribbean right that's the mosquitoes are deforming the babies down there or something so, yes, that was that was well. Do you do? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know if I put too much technical jargon in there, but I hope the uh, listeners understand. Yeah. So exactly. what? It, so to take a to try it one time, like so when we're talking about like you're doing, you're testing to see if this thing will work, right? Like, can you kind of walk us through like the physical process? So you you have your suit on, right? You're dealing with the virus. You have the virus samples, I'm assuming, right? Or you only have one sample or do you get a fresh sample every time or how does it? And then like you add, you're, you get like, okay, you have your potion here. You mix up your potion. <laughs> you're like, okay, we'll get the sample. Boom, well, I, I, I guess the, the, the thing is like, like, 
you know, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Well, I, I, I think Matt, the, the questions asked is like, what, like, what were you researching about the virus, and then like, how did you go about researching it? <laughs> well, yeah, like, how do you go about testing your 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 vaccines or whatever it is? So I'm actually not. We're, if we're talking about Zika virus, um, I'm not working on a Zika vaccine. Okay. I'm right. more interested in, I, I mean, I think this basic research, it's basic science research. Build up. Yeah. It, hopefully the idea the is blocks. that it yeah. will help kind of infer, you know, like so decisions made surrounding yeah. vaccines. So you're getting down. all different types of things and you have the Zika virus. I think we just want to, we, we want to like, so what, were, like, what were you studying about it? Like what aspect of the yeah. virus? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you're right. Sorry. So what I'm interested in is what the virus is doing at a single cell level. So when we're Whoa. thinking of vaccines, you're thinking of a population level, yeah, or yeah, just yeah, like an yeah. organism. So I'm yep. talking about one single cell. So we're looking at what's happening inside of one cell and then maybe a, a group of cells in a dish. So we take human cells and we put them in a dish and then I'll go into the freezer and I'll get a vial of Zika virus. It's just like a concentrated stock of Zika. And this actually isn't in the, the BSL-3. So I'm not suited up for this. Zika is actually rather kind of tame. Um, okay. It's not airborne, right? So you're not okay. worried about it. It has to be a mosquito that bites you. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, not, just it's not like going to happen in the yeah. lab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I was pregnant, I, I shouldn't be working with it. So that is right. like a rule that some hmm. labs have. Um, which I think is valid, but yeah. so you get this stock of Zika and then you just kind of put it right onto your cells and it goes in on its own because it likes those cells. And, and yeah. then we kind of freeze like, Oh, it. you can eat buffet. So we yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. I like these. And it'll go in there and it'll crank out more Zika virus. Like I said, it likes to do. Wait, wait, it, you put, you don't put it on yourself. You put it on the cells you've collected. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, and actually ahead. I'm growing little pieces of skin in the lab right now and I'm putting it onto the skin too. And it's like three dimensional. So what? then I like cut it up and look at what it looks like in the skin. That's been one of oh, that's my latest. So yeah. yeah. And, so, and on, on the cellular, are you just looking for like how it reproduces, how fast it reproduces? Like what, what are it? What it yeah. What's yeah, it so attacking you, specifically? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Actually, have you heard of CRISPR? I have not, no. CRISPR no. is a kind of new technology um, where you can you can genetically modify yeah. at the DNA level to kind of remove genes. So you can take genes out or you can put them in, but you can pretty much modulate what's you know going on in your cells. So we, you know, we have a genome and you yep. could take you could take this technology, which was actually from bacteria. Yeah. That we're now, we took it out of bacteria and now we're using it to manipulate whatever we want in our system. And so I'll knock certain genes out using CRISPR and then I'll infect and be like, what's going to happen? So that's oh, wow. like a very common thing that we've been doing. So it's very, you know, molecular. We're talking about what's going on just, you know, within a cell or a group of cells. Right, because uh, I mean, I said right. Like, I guess like viruses affect your DNA. Is now is that kind of what how it happened, or yeah. I, or they inject their DNA, or they inject well, they, they inject protein, or they inject DNA into they, us yeah. and they kind of change our DNA. Yeah, some do that for sure. Like HIV does that, and so okay. but when like the virus comes into the cell, it's going to use all of the cell machinery in order to make new virus. 
it needs all of your stuff. It's going to use us to attack yeah. ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so exactly. turn me against myself, then, son that's of a bitch. Fascinating. Yeah. So what we do is we're like getting rid of certain things in the cell and seeing if the virus can still replicate or if it needs that. That's so, so cool. that is just kind of a way of figuring out what the what the virus needs in the cell, and then we can kind yeah. of try to harness that. Yeah. as like a therapeutic down the line that's so oh it needs cool. this if i can take that away i can so starve take it away it. how can we yeah. make it so that we block that from the virus you know accessing that specific thing in the cell and then that way we could block the virus from replicating hey. so ultimately this creates like some yeah. sort of therapeutic so that to me jill that is fascinating stuff and i do want to talk about this right i want you to get your doing proper because what you and what your associates are doing, like the tenacity that you guys have to go after this has to be recognized because this is unbelievable. The amount of like stress and pressure you put on yourselves just to like obtain this goal and get this data and find out that yeah. this works. Like that's unreal. The process I, I think, that you uh, go through. What Matt's getting to is we did a little research like on your position and we found out how little postdocs are getting paid and it's just oh, like yeah. what are like are you, oh. you you have this much education you what? get like nine years of school yeah you're crying in the bathroom like how yeah. many days yeah. like a year is this not normal you guys don't cry at yeah work? i mean i do but my insurance covers the like yeah, you yeah. know like it's covered an account my... so i i cry too but but we get paid you know like a, yeah. a, 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 a nice a common... chunk Common misconception. Uh, I think people assume because I have a PhD that I'm making yeah. a lot of money. That's, what, that's <laughs> right. Like, who you're putting in all this time and investment? I'm thinking yeah. it's got to get paid up, you know, so yeah. like uh, yeah. in a tangible way to measure. Yeah. 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 I have to admit, my job is fun. So, yeah. you know, um, I'm going in like after after that infection I was talking about, I, I kind of like freeze the cells and then I throw fluorescent dyes on them and then I throw them on a microscope. So I'll sit in a dark room and look at these fluorescent images that's of cool. virus inside of cells. Like that's the kind of thing I'm yeah. doing every day. So it's it's not so bad overall. Like, yeah. I do wanna, I feel like so, I'm that's a trade off. You enjoy, you enjoy yeah. doing it for free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you like it, yeah. And you get yeah. that runner's high every time you get yeah. that nice chunk you of data. You get that pop, you get that pop on the data. Yeah, it's, it's nice to share your work through yeah. articles with people and then have people awesome. contact you and say like, yeah. Hey, that's so interesting. Or I go to a conference and I present my work and people come up to you and they're that's interested. Great. There might be like two people total in the world that read an article I write. And that's fine. Oh, really? If that's one of them that's... finds me, if one of them finds me at a conference and tells me that they like my work, like I'm so that's... happy for at least a year. Hey, two people so... that's better than the numbers we get. So, you know, <laughs> you're killing it. <laughs> that's no, but that, that's fascinating. Cause you're doing like the work you're doing is for all mankind to be fair yeah. for, for all humankind, you know, like well, the stuff it... you guys do. Go ahead, Pete. Matt, that, that, that's a good point because, uh, you know, some, something we wanted to touch on, you know, since, since we're, you know, getting at the end of this yes. COVID world, yeah. And we have these big MR, MR, like, you know, so we like, you have DNA vaccine. and you have RNA. <laughs> yeah. And so we have these new things called mRNA vaccines. And when you think about it, it's like, they got this thing out fucking fast as shit. Yeah. And you're like, how did they get it out so fucking yeah. fast? And yeah. it's because behind the scenes, you have all these postdocs that yeah. are, you know, <laughs> examining every part of this. Yes. And then when all of a sudden something breaks out, they're like, okay, let's put all of our information together yeah. and, and figure out how to fucking kick this thing's ass. Yeah. And it's people like Jill 
who have been, you know, spending hours and hours and, and hundreds and hundreds of attempts to get these research and to get this data and are breaking down, going into the bathroom and, and putting mm -hmm. themselves under this much pressure, that yeah. these are the people that every that the world relied upon to get this vaccine out and to save lives. And that should be yeah. commended. You should be very proud of the work that you do, Jill. Also, well, yeah, of course. And, you know, I think everyone should know that because that is the truth. We This is another thing that we wanted to bring the light on this show, like the world that's built around us. People just think this vaccine fucking popped out of nowhere. That's not the case, yeah. right? You're spending thousands and thousands, you and your colleagues are putting thousands and thousands of hours, actual hours of work and research and mental anguish. Like you're torturing yourselves mentally to get these things <laughs> that so much that you and your colleagues are having breakdowns just so like and people just think like oh this this pharmaceutical company just put it together in their fucking lab in colorado which is not the fucking case so and the you, end result is yeah. so that i can go hang out with a bar that's a jet uh, a jerk uh that's a jets fan at a bar at happy hour <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's the end that's <laughs> yeah you so gotta that get rid of that jets fan. yeah 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 hey, preaching to the choir there Jill. Huh? yeah yeah, but, so yeah. we, so I will say I wasn't doing any work directly on the vaccine, but something that also needs to be considered, like all of us working on coronaviruses, we were doing it throughout the pandemic, of course, because yeah. that's, you know, when it became so pressing, but yeah. two things, my, my boss, for example, has been working on coronaviruses for 45 years. And so that's people it. like her and other coronavirologists, they did so much work that sped things along when a highly oh pathogenic God. coronavirus like the current causative agent of COVID-19 so, so emerged, Jill, I the, right? So like we already yeah, knew yeah. so much because yeah. of all the basic science research that had been that, done. So, so uh, done yeah, the, the uh, Vince Lombardi had a famous quote where he said that uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. And so the preparation is your boss for 45 years, like yeah. working on this virus. And, you know, she had trouble getting funded for a lot of that. So you no imagine? one cared. No one cared. Yeah. And, wow. it, you know, what her and, and others have done has laid some serious ground. Why are we trying for, to save bats? Fuck you know. coronaviruses. Yeah. yeah. Do, well, I mean, like, do you think. Ah, we don't, I don't want to get in political. I don't want like big pharma <laughs> to be the pro, like, you know. The, the I you know there should be I mean I think now there well, will be I think now there so, will be the the research has to become more prevalent because their their research saved millions of lives you know actually, what I mean? and, like, and Matt that yeah. that's something uh that I think Jill can touch on too that I think people don't realize is like how much the big pharma relies on yeah. universities and postdocs to get them that building block information yeah. yeah I don't think it used to be like this but there is a much closer relationship working relationship between big pharma and academia now really uh, so yeah. we were in actually I can't like say any specifics I don't think but yeah, yeah. we were in collaboration with a lot of companies throughout the pandemic to do a lot of work for them. Uh, I worked on an at-home COVID test at one point for a while, just an example, but you know, we're in the, in the BSL-3 doing infections. And so a lot of companies, you know, they have ideas and they want to, you know, they, need knowledge our, base. they want, yeah, they want our opinions. They want yeah. us to just run a few things for them. And we're of course, happy to help. We're yeah. giving supplies to the hospital throughout the pandemic. Yeah. You know, like anything they need, we're working with them. We're working, working around the clock. to isolate yeah. viruses from patients, that kind of thing, and sequence them. So everyone worked together, and it wasn't like that really before. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I 
uh, well, I assume that that's going to continue because it's just been so. productive. Dogs and cats yeah. living in harmony. It's anarchy. <laughs> well, like, think about this. Remember when Corona first came out? We had no idea to tell if you had it. Like, oh, I can't yeah, taste yeah, this. Had, so yeah. No yeah. one had any idea, you know? And, like, people think, like, the vaccine was the end-all, be-all. But there was stuff that way before that, like, finding out how you had it and getting yeah. the antibodies and all that stuff. How does stuff. it spread? How, yeah. you know, how can yeah. you stop? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, how it's, can we like, control yeah. it? All of that. And that's all done through the research provided by, you know, Big Pharma got from the academia. That's, you know... But that's also that. I mean, it, it sucks that it, tra it took a tragedy to, for that to happen. But I think that I am hoping, you know, that this is what, you know, the, they got to keep the world safe. And if this is the yeah. kind of relationship that needs to develop to keep the world safe, then it definitely needs to stay around. And, you know, maybe then big pharma should kick a little something to the government to make this a permanent funded thing because it saved lives. You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, we don't want to get on our soapbox here, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> but. That's another thing, like, you know, I don't know. It's important, it, 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 and more important now than ever. So, you know, and, I mean. And so, Joel, I, I touched on it, but can you explain to us in layman's terms how the mRNA vaccines work, like why, oh, yeah. how they're different from other ones and oh, why it's such a – Because, I, I, like, you know, I, again, I'm in bio 101. I'm like, oh, messenger right. RNA. Oh, and, like, when I start learning, I'm like, oh, now I understand why people think this actually could cure cancer down the line or something. So, like. You know, I, not, not that I'm expecting you to explain that, but just kind of like, like, what's the difference between the mRNA and traditional vaccines and kind of like how they work? Yeah, so um, there are a lot of different types of vaccines. And so mRNA vaccines have been around, or at least the technology behind them has been around for a lot longer than people think. And uh, at least 10 years. And so it works in that uh, you have to kind of consider the central dogma of biology. So... Right. Maybe you've heard of this, Pete. So I, I just learned it, but you, give me a refresher. <laughs> Central dogma of biology. Yes. Yeah, so DNA yeah. codes for RNA. Okay. And then RNA codes for proteins. Okay. And so those are kind of the three big ones in the cell. You, you know, makes up everything in the okay. cell. So. And, and just for like, so people listening, like, like, like some people think proteins are muscles, but proteins are also enzymes. So like yes. enzymes help you break down things and build yes. things. Yeah. 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 Proteins are pretty much everything that. Everything. I mean, nowadays we know that RNA can also be functional. Like, it's not just coding proteins. Yeah. Uh, when I when I say code for, that just means that it's a it's a sequence, and the machinery in the cell reads it and cranks out protein. No. And so we used to think that RNA was just like a sequence, but now we know it can also be functional. But I'm off on something. So uh, <laughs> proteins are going to be carrying out all the functions in the cell, pretty much. And so viruses have limited proteins compared to our cells, but they do have some and they have surface proteins and the coronavirus surface protein is called a spike protein. You might've heard okay. of spike because when you, yep. when you hear about all these variants, they're all involving changes in the spike protein. And the yeah. reason that's important is because if you think about how it's on the surface of the virus, that's what your body is going to encounter. So right. when the virus so is in the, your that's body, what touches the cell and the cell. Yeah, like, oh, okay, when, the, like when the virus is in your body, your antibodies are going to recognize that protein on the surface. So the spike really? protein. Yeah. So that interaction between your antibodies, which are pretty much your central kind of mediator of yeah. your immune response to get rid of them. They're the bouncers uh, that kick all the shit out of you. Yeah, <laughs> they do they do a lot of You've different things, but they're really important for getting rid of 
pathogens. <laughs> yeah. And so they recognize that outer protein. So if we go back to the vaccine technology, I think uh, a lot of traditional vaccines, um, they're, they contain the whole virus in some inactive form. So yeah. uh, for example, you can kind of uh, render the virus you fuck no, it up a little bit. Yeah, no longer able to do its virus things, and you make it kind of weak, and and then that's a great you break vaccine. its ankle, like Conor McGregor. Yeah. So you it can't do anything to you. It's a good vaccine because <laughs> you can you can put it into someone's body, and they won't get sick, but their yeah. antibodies will still recognize it. And like, oh, yeah. look, Conor, that fucking asshole. Let's yeah. get our buddies around here to taunt them. <laughs> so your antibodies will make a memory response. That's what's most important about them. Yeah. So uh, yeah. once they recognize something, they expand clonally, yeah. and they make many antibodies and they'll be around forever that's great. typically and that's why wow. like you only get like chicken pox once because once you have it your body's like we know how to get yeah. There. yeah so so a good vaccine has to elicit an antibody response right and mm. so uh what mrna vaccines do so going back to sorry going back to <laughs> kind of the traditional strategy i think people are concerned about this because it still right. is a virus and yep. it's just kind of um, attenuated or it's weakened or it's inactive. And so people are worried that it's going to somehow become active again or it's yeah. going or, to or if you're, sick, uh, I guess or, if you're immunocompromised, yeah. can it still, you can have like a negative effect, like. Yeah, if you're immunocompromised, um, you're, yeah, you're not going to mount a good immune response from a vaccine really. So right. I, that, there's a lot of, oh, that, there's a lot oh, they, they, there's there. nothing. Yeah. There's no, you're just, you're done then. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, we can cut that. <laughs> so I, what's Sorry. cool about mRNA vaccines is it's just the, the one piece of RNA from the virus that makes the spike protein. So there's nothing else in there. It's just so it's more specific. Oh, yeah. yeah well, it's also, so it's, it's like targeting. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes in and then the because the RNA is coding for just spike, um, the host machinery translates that creates the spike protein. So now your body is making just a spike protein from this coronavirus, and the antibodies will then find that and sense it as you know foreign, and yeah. start creating that memory response. But there's no virus there. So yeah. like nothing, you know, there's no adverse effects of any kind of recombination event to make virus or activate virus or you can't get sick with a virus infection because it's just one protein. There's no genetic material. The virus needs a lot more. It's just... Right. It's just a protein. Basically, it can't uh, reproduce. Yeah. It cannot <laughs> yeah. reproduce. It absolutely cannot. It needs a lot more than that. Yeah. And so it's, it's a loser. Really it's, it's got getting, no sex drive. It's, it's no, no yeah. Kids. It's getting down to like the most basic piece of virus that your body needs to create that immune response. And then your body's pretty much locked and loaded. So when you encounter it in the wild, yeah, naturally. It's your like, body already has those antibodies yeah. right there. And the first thing they see is that spike protein that and they're just they like, already, yeah. And they just get rid of it and you don't even get sick. You won't even notice. So ready. fucking yeah. cool. That's yeah, so it's cool. It's really neat. Yeah, yeah. There's only, I think something like seven or nine ingredients total in, in, a, in those mRNA vaccines. That's unreal. Yeah. That's unreal. So it's really like the vaccine is created so that your body can create the antibodies to kill the, the spike, right? Like yeah. the vaccine will be like, look, we're putting this in you. So the next time this gimmick comes around, it's just going to knock out yeah. the bad shit and you're good to go. 
That's yeah, and the point so I think the point of the boost in these mRNA vaccines is that you're getting a good response from the first, but because there's a current pandemic and this virus is literally floating around everywhere, the boost makes it so that your antibodies are right there in your bloodstream circulating and ready to go. Yeah. So it's just because it's still the virus is still circulating, you know. Yeah. Um, so that just makes it even more effective. You don't have that day maybe where it might yeah. take for the, the antibodies to find it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, I think, been working out really well. I agree. And uh, going <laughs> yeah. back to academic research, you know, this technology, as well as the you know, biology behind coronaviruses, it was all developed in academic, you know, research yeah. environments. So yeah, good. Bunch of nerds just hanging out, <laughs> figuring out how to save us. <laughs> so that, Jill, this has been so great. I cannot thank you enough for this. This is absolutely what we love. This is fascinating stuff building the world around us i just have one question and then we're going to get out of here i just want to ask if you could pick one job out of all the jobs you've ever had to be the job you'd have for the rest of your life and you could support yourself comfortably with whatever salary you know like what job would you choose oh my goodness um i guess the clinical lab technician you really like ah. that huh? yeah nice that's she liked opening those jars of poop that pissed off her coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, this isn't fun. even a real school. Just wanted. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, hey guys, that was actually me. <laughs> but no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that because you're a lady. So, all right. Yes. So, no, but Jill, I cannot thank you enough for this. This is yeah. so good. This was so fascinating. And Thanks I'll tell you for what. Having me. No, th yeah. of course. And I'll tell you what. Me and Pete were pretty much always on the same page as this. But we would love for you to come back on if you'd be willing to come back oh absolutely i would love to yeah I would love to. i'm would i just looking over our notes and there's a lot of stuff we, we weren't able to touch yeah, on so we really kind of yeah. skimmed over some stuff yeah. but i would love to get a deep dive and you know what the and you explained it so well like that a couple dopes like me and pete were able to kind of pick up yeah. on what you're saying this shows like <laughs> how well so. you did explain that's it that's no. one of the hardest parts of my job is explaining. there's no yeah, point in doing it, to, uh... it if you can't communicate it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i mean like yeah. that that you know the endless and endless notes, the endless and endless data, the and, breaking yeah. down, but and, then you can't he, even explain it yeah. to anybody. Yeah. And, and I, I, don't think, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is a photo statement, but I think the media has a hard time translating it to us because they go oh. to you and they kind of get huge. it and then they explain That's it to huge. us. And then, like, I go and tell you what the media told me, and you're just like, eh, not quite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I had to stop yeah. listening and reading. I can't even read anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. just don't know when people ask me like current event related virus questions. Uh, I don't know anything about what they're saying. Yeah, like yeah. I have no clue. If it they hasn't come through the lab, I have no. <laughs> right, yeah. like they don't know. They're getting well, their. But no. the thing is, it, it's yeah. scientifically illiterate people trying to explain something that's scientific to other scientifically illiterate people. So it just kind of a lot gets lost in translation. It's yeah, bad, we're all yeah. speaking a different yeah. language. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So, well, good. Well, Jill, thank you for clearing up a lot of stuff and answering these tough questions. And it's, you know, bring us along for the ride because this is fascinating stuff that just helps shape the world around us. So uh, we're coming to the top of time. Before we get out of here, Jill, is there anything you'd like to say to the dozens and dozens of Working Perspectives podcast listeners? Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. <laughs> <Yes>. You heard <laughs> it here first. We won't get into it because it's too political, but you heard it. It from shouldn't Jill. be political. It's actually about science. Yeah, it should it's scientific. It's not political at all. No, yeah. Help the world. So there you go. Do your do your do your diligence. Get vaccinated. 
Uh, very good. Thank you, Joe. Party Boy Pete, anything you want to say to the people before we get out of here? If uh, if you're in a position to put any pressure on academia, let's tell them to pay our postdocs a little bit more money. Because hey, they are the like backbone of the medical industry. There you go. They ch- Hey, save the world, FYI, just to let you know. Um, okay. No, you're absolutely right. Let's get those postdocs some of that sweet, sweet cheddar. So, <laughs> all right. This has been another episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by Party Boy Pete McCormick. Our guest today is the incredible Jill Whalen. Uh, you can find all our stuff on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast and hang out with us on the Twitter and the Tiki Talk at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at workperspectives at gmail.com. All right, this is the end of the show. Stick around for the ad read. Thanks. See ya. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skot. B-E-L-L dot com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, B is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry dot com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.